Welcome to Orange is the New Cast, the officially unofficial podcast for Netflix's Orange is the New Black television show. I'm your host, Aaron, and joining me this week is Pia Lani. Hello, hi everyone, I'm back. She's back, and you are covering some real ball slash labia buster episodes. I know, I was thinking these are very, very heavy episodes. I was sort of searching for the comedy in these three. Um, yeah. It was hard, hard, hard to find find the yucks. Specific. Oh, I'm sorry. Specifically, okay. we're, we're I forgot. I just I need to mention what episodes we're covering. We're up uh, covering <laughs> episodes uh, 410 through 412. Uh, bunny skull, bunny skull, uh, people persons. Is that that's that's what 411 is called? Yeah, people persons. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And finally, um, what's the, la- the uh, animals? The animals. The animals. The yes. Animals. The animals. Which was yeah. That's the thing. Like I wrote that down in my notes, and then I'm like, huh. And then the theme song started. I'm like, oh right. <laughs> Self-referential. Very very meta. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I cut you off about your your thoughts on the episodes. Continue, please. Oh, I was just saying it it felt like uh there's no comedy in maximum security. You know, the the CEOs were getting so intense in in these three it was sort of building and building and building to this intense control and command or command and control, I suppose is the way we say it. Mm-hmm. Um there just it was really hard to find anything to laugh about. Yeah, I mean Oz was not a comedy. Uh there was a few you know, like I, I thought some of the margins of like uh, Caesar's girlfriend picking up uh, um, Aledo was kind of funny. Uh, I thought that the the whole the controversy around the whiz and the discussion around that was kind of funny. But yeah, you had to you had to really search and be willing to laugh to to find much to 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 yuck at at these episodes, man. Yeah, mm-hmm. and even on the forums, you know, I sort of checked in there as I was watching these three along the way, and there was not a lot of comedy in the in the comments either. People were really um, sharing their thoughts about some of the heavier stuff that happened, and and wondering how this was all going to culminate into episode twelve, and and yeah. you know. The, We've watched it, and you even commented to me last night. Um, really, really sad episode. Yeah, and uh, I haven't seen the finale yet because um, I'm just trying this thing this week, this year, where I don't actually watch ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, but I the unsullied. The, the, I'm trying to be unsullied, uh, and it saved my ass because, like, I think on the Sesame podcast, she she had watched a couple episodes ahead, and she's like, "Well, remember that?" I'm like, "What the hell are you talking about?" And <laughs> we're able to successfully edit all that mess out. Um, <laughs> the thing. So this is the stretch of episodes where my admiration of Piscatella meets mm-hmm. its, a grisly end. Is am I so you know I mentioned you mentioned that you might have been overlooking some of the or you might have been trying to find the positive things in Soso's situation because you know you have like this Asian sympathy. I forget what you called it. You said like you're, it's like your unconscious bias. Yeah, right? like the lens you identify. That you, mm-hmm, right, you right, identify right. With that character. I don't know whether it was uh, you know it, our fellow our, our our bear status or shared mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. large hairy man status that was causing me to view him with that positive lens. But am I crazy or did he stop guards from mistreating inmates like in a previous episode and like urge professionalism and whatnot? And now he's just this villain like i i don't know whether the situation has turned him into this or he's always been this and i just haven't seen it you know i was struggling with that too because i wanted to like him 
to as the sort of closeted bear right um captain of the CEOs because I do feel like he was very much by the book in the beginning but not in a like tough but fair to the excess yes yes that's a good way to put it tough but fair and then something happened and I don't know what the trigger was whether it was I mean it could be the death of a CEO like that's I yeah. think that does seem to have really set him off but even before they, they his arc was kind of going in that direction of like you know not turning a blind eye towards abuse even in episodes leading up to to them discovering that. Right. And maybe because we knew that the guard had been or the quote unquote guard had been killed. Mm-hmm. So early on, we don't we don't we're not making that connection as a, yeah. as audience members, but it might have been that, but boy, he was letting these correctional officers get away with stuff that was right. just horrific and, in these episodes. And you can tell that's definitely part of it because, you know, the, his his idea that Caputo's not just absent, but he's so lax at running his prison that not only did a guard get killed, but a guard got killed and they don't even know who he is. Um, right. And that's kind of like, I, I guess they do have paperwork on this guy because they were going through his hiring records and he has like four different social security numbers. And it does seem like a bit of a mess. And maybe he's, his professionalism, not just as affronted, but the fact that, you know, one of his own got killed because of it might have shaken him. I, I don't know because it, it, my only criticism of this stretch of episodes is I do feel like Jinji Cohen was pe- banging every one of these guard characters into the pegs or into the holes that she mm-hmm. needed their peg to fit into to get the desired emotional result. Because the whole time it was happening, I'm like, I don't know that this feels authentic, but I'm right. kind of going with it because the emotion was working. Were right. you getting any of that too? Yeah, I definitely think that there were so many correctional officers that they were just one dimensional versus we had a lot of inmates, but the inmates had a little bit more subtlety to their characters. And maybe it's because they were bigger groups. So I was giving them credit for uh, a collective personality Mm -hmm. versus um, the correctional officers. We had, they had one note each, right? With the exception of Coates. Coates kind of was going back and forth with being, he was such an ass last season and he was trying so hard to, Mm-hmm. show he didn't mean to rape Pensatucky. Um It's so funny because that's what we were kind of talking about. Like, what do you do if you're a man and you realize you rape someone? And, like, I thought this was kind of an interesting... Like, the Gingy's really going in... She's really mm-hmm. leaning into that whole situation. Like, what do you do with a guy who's like, I, you know, it's, he didn't... I, he didn't consider that rape, and until Big Boo like kind of clued her in, Pentatucky was dismissive about it, and and now they, she's got this arc where she's wanting to move past her victimhood status. It's really interesting. Like I'm mm-hmm. almost afraid to make any kind of comment about it. It's really complicated, isn't? It? And the, both those actors were doing such a good job. Yeah, uh, because for, I hated Coates before because I thought he was just this asshole. But this season, he's he's almost become the the good guy of the guards, right? Honestly, he's trying so hard to hey treat them. They're people. Don't treat them that way. We can't act like that. Yeah. And it's funny because when, you know, uh, Bailey kept on going out to visit Coates while he was reading it and guarding the body parts <laughs> and all that. And, you know, after the, the, the you know, this, this prison gladiator fight happened, he mm. went out to visit him one last time. And I'm like, oh, my God, are they going to have Coates go in there and ride to the fucking rescue? And how am mm-hmm. I going to feel? Now, I think 
there's a little bit of restraint there on the showrunner's part by not having that be like a neat and tidy, like, oh, now how do you feel about the rapist? He's the... But I was kind of hoping that that would happen because I feel like he's the one guy who's got enough. I mean, it's not like he has a lot of spine, but that would be disturbed enough and articulate that and maybe have some moral force. He tried, you know, he really was trying. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. it was tough, right? My stomach gets in knots just remembering all of Mm. that stuff. Um, well, yeah. we should probably start doing this a little bit more uh, organized and less slapdash. Um, let's start just, I'm going kind of in chronological order with the with the character and, and the plot lines. Uh, Caesar's girlfriend, I don't know her name. And I have this new policy that I think makes sense. Um, I, don't, I only remember people's name when they get a backstory. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Caesar's girlfriend hasn't gotten a backstory yet, so she's just Caesar's girlfriend. Uh, picks up Alita. And it's a super this this it's a super awkward situation because I actually found that Caesar's girlfriend seemed super cool and grounded and kind of able to cope with this very bizarre non traditional setup that they've got going and mm-hmm. like was really willing to overlook all of Aleda's just insane like the I mean so. Aleda really loves Caesar, it seems like, yes? Yes, absolutely. Um, Almost to the point where she's, like, martyred her entire life to support him. Yeah, right. Aleda totally took the heat for Cesar. And and also over, like, she's she thinks it's... I guess this is, like, you know, some, some in, internal sexism, but she thinks that Caesar doing what he's got to do when she's locked up is is acceptable. And in in and no problem, but Caesar's girlfriend doing that is makes her a whore. I thought that yeah. was. You know what's interesting is that when I was watching that, I felt like I think Caesar's girlfriend was named Margarita. I think I looked that one up because ah. I, I I couldn't stand that calling her Caesar's girlfriend. Um, <laughs> but there was almost a generational difference in the way they were approaching this this man, mm, right? So Aleda is like loyal and no matter what my man does, I'm going to be, I'm going to be for, there for him. Yeah. And he's you a know, man. Even, That's what men do. What are you going to expect? Right. Right. And Margarita was more like, look, I loved him when I loved him, but he's not here and I've got a child that I need to take care of and I'm out and I'm young. So I still need to live my life. And I yeah. just thought, huh, that really is a generational difference, right? Aleda and she, and I think Margarita may have made a comment about how she was just this bitter, low self esteem having has been almost, mm-hmm. and it was this conflict that two of them had with each other. And I think that was a good conversation for Aleda to hear because Aleda doesn't know any better. She's been locked no. up for so long, and no one's sort of put it in her face to say, you know, a woman could take care of herself if she has to. Yeah, and the thing is, like, Aleda was just really trying to slit her own throat in this situation. Uh, we found out that she had socked away, literally. <laughs> literally, yeah, I nice. I don't. I, is that where the is, is that where the terminology came from? Yeah, socked it away. You put it in a sock and you hide it, I, and then like between the mattress or something like yeah, that. Yeah, right? like, like I, I got some money socked. Yeah, like that's a Great Depression era kind of lingo <laughs> that like I wasn't aware that that was you know a real like socks just not a verb. Um, <laughs> I thought that was interesting, but she had socked away this money, entrusted it with her cousin, 
Her cousin had just stolen it with the moral cloak of, well, I was going to pay you back, and you just it's your fault that you're no, out early, wasn't. which of course not, because something <laughs> else would have come up, and then something else would have come up. and Yeah, and anyone who's trying to sell VCRs is not the brightest light bulb in the bunch, right? Well, I got the idea that those were hot, too. Of course. Like that, yeah, that this is a, this is some kind of scam they're, they're going on. Um, but yeah, it, VCRs. It, it really, sh- yeah, that's the thing. Like you're, you're trying to sell hot VCRs in the year 2016. Yeah. With oh some cassette tapes. Yeah. Um, I mean, the way technology is going, like you couldn't even move MP3 players. Like that's, that's already that's passe, you know, point taken point taken. I, it just goes to show you how hard it is. And they've made this point over and over again this season. Like being a felon is this scarlet F that's on your record. And when you get out, like, unless you have like Piper, you know, she's got a family that they're, you know, they're kind of fucked up, but she's got Cal and her dad and, you know, mom. I mean, there's not a lot of support there, but she's going to have a place to stay and she's going to have an address and she's going to have nice clothes and she can kind of reintegrate where mm-hmm. Alita, even though she did everything right, you know, she doesn't have a, the greatest support network and she's got no clothes at this point because her cousin sold them all. And it's it was sad. Right. Yeah. We talked about how the prison system was supposed to rehabilitate people, especially minimum security Um, criminals right and yet she couldn't even pass the ged and there was no support for her and she had no skills you know she thought oh wait the one thing i I can't do anything is the first thing she said i don't know if you guys talked about that in episodes um and then she realized oh wait i can do nails so Mm -hmm. that's that's a skill Mm -hmm. but delusions of grandeur and how she can make money off of that because don't need to know about licensing and you know Mm -hmm. having uh, it's 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 hard starting a business (laughs) um we both know that yeah yeah especially if you're doing something around the people's health Mm -hmm. uh you know and you have to have different safety standards and whatnot because i I don't want you know those are and and i'm not you know those are all good things you know uh if you're anti-government regulation you still probably want them checking to make sure they're you know keeping their fungus levels down and their foot baths and they're not reusing tools and stuff like that, right? You betcha, you betcha. There's there's a, there's a little little regulation. You you want the lead out of your water and you don't want someone using dirty toenail stuff on you. I think that's Yeah, that's so yeah. Even I, the libertarians I, can agree with us on that. Right. You want repeat customers to cut, right? You don't want right. them to say um I've lost 5 toenails because of your filthy practices here i have gangrene um yeah, you know, I've, that's I've, a problem i've lost the toes and the nails um yeah. there's not a good yelp review coming out of that customer <laughs> and that's the thing like, if it wasn't for caesar's girlfriend uh margarita being unused like the, the very chill nature of her that got her and elated into that fight is the same thing that saved her because at the end of the day she needed a couch and uh, margarita had it already even though they had this big blow up had it already for her and like right treated so, her much more like family than her own cousin did yeah and we also see that how you know elate is going to step right in and help with the baby and They'll be, and it's interesting because we never, we don't revisit that. We we got this situation in the first episode, and then we went two full episodes of that coming back. I hope that we kind of check in to see how things are going with her on, uh, you know, uh, in episode thirteen because she she had all these grand plans about like you know I'm going to get a dress and I'm going to take a shower and then I'm going to go see every one of my kids and mm-hmm. this just got quickly quickly derailed from all that. 
Right, right. Anything else we want to talk about with Aleda? No, I think that summed it all up. We could go in from there and talk about Daya and how, you know, Aleda in previous episodes swore Gloria that she would protect Daya and look after her. And Daya seems hell-bent to completely ignore all that shit. Yeah, I, I don't know that... I just felt like Daya was looking for a circle of support and friends. I don't. She definitely wasn't trying to get caught up in what Maria and her whole group were up to. Oh, like she said, I just want to hang out with girls my own age because that's what people want to do. They want to right. find their peer group and plug in and associate with it. Those are all normal, healthy things to you bet, do. You bet. Stage they, of development. She's you know probably early twenties. Yeah. And all uh-huh. she knows really is prison. Right. Taking care of her, you know, younger siblings in prison is all she knows. Exactly. And, you know, it just so happens that all of the women in her age and ethnic group uh, have been subverted to do to running drugs in prison right. because of recent events. That's right. Um, I want. Oh, man. Ah, this this has been such a dark and depressing season so far. I wonder if they're going to go ahead and just lean into that. It does seem like towards the end of episode 12 that. There is this groundswell of grassroots support to kind of maybe turn Litchfield back into more of a minimum security setup and, and stop all this Mac stuff. But I'm I'm really worried for Daya because I think you're right. She's not trying to get in that business, but will she get sucked in? Mm-hmm. She seems a little wide eyed and innocent still. Well, and, and and willfully like she's. She never could rebel against her mother because her mother had, you know, they had this toxic kind of dysfunctional codependent relationship. But Gloria, Gloria, she can tell the fuck right off. And like that's kind of like liberating for her. And the show so often sets people up just to knock them down. And I mean, you know, she's been one of my favorite characters since the beginning. And I worry for her. Yeah, we haven't seen much of her this season overall uh, because there have just been so many other characters. Uh Uh-huh. And I also really like Gloria as a character, but I think you're right, Daya. This is that, you know, 15-year-old teenager girl rebelling. She's mm-hmm. finally able to do that because her mother was probably locked up when she was 15 years sure. old. So yeah. she was completely responsible for her younger siblings. And mm-hmm. now here she is acting out and she's going to go run to her friends and be like, I can't believe she's yeah. trying to tell me what to do. You know, all yeah. the things you say as a 15-year-old girl, oh, my mom's so stupid. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I like Daya. We haven't seen much of her this season, and uh, I hope we get to see her unique take on nail painting. Like that, <laughs> that would like she could set up a booth at like Gen Con or Comic Con and go crazy. Yeah, nail art is a thing. Let me yeah, tell you, like painting little lightsabers on people's nails and Decepticon and Autobot logos and yeah. everything in between. Uh, yeah. Skull Bunny, Skull Bunny. Yeah, Skull Bunny. My favorite nail art that I've ever had, not that you asked, but I'm going to tell you. Please. Um, I had a Stormtrooper face painted on my my ring finger Mm. and like different designs on all the other fingers. It was fantastic. Mm. Oh, yeah. And then for San Diego Comic-Con, I had – or no, maybe it was a Walker Stalker Con. I had a little black cat painted on my nails. I think it was one of the Walker Stalker Con. I think it was one of the Walker Stalker Cons because I remember that one. And or maybe only because... or you could have just fa- posted it to Facebook too. But <laughs> no, I do remember now. <laughs> it was because I was taking a photo op with Daryl's, the, the, the actor who plays Daryl Dixon, Norman Reedus, mm-hmm. and he has a black cat. And I was one of those fangirls for that ah, moment. You wanted yeah. him to know that you yeah. loved him best. Yeah. Because and you knew he about his pet. <laughs> heard right at me. He was adorable. No way. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. It's quite an experience. 
Um, maybe Anyhow. maybe we can keep the Gloria train running here and yeah, talk like about her. how she the her fruits the fruits of her labors with uh, <laughs> Sister Ingalls and Caputo have paid off in this episode, and they've been able to lean on. I that's the thing. Like I was talking to this to Cecily. I don't know that this stuff is all factually correct that some that a privatized prison can just put someone in a hole and make them disappear and be completely unaccountable but i'll roll with it um danny has exposed them and and gotten sophia out of shoe uh she's having some real hard times reintegrating herself and and kind of picking herself up from the pieces of of shoe and and dealing with her you know, physical appearance, that's a big thing for her, obviously, you know, I mean, it's not just, I mean, that's, you take it for granted that you're, uh, what would you call that? Your, your personal images integrity, like, you know, um, that you wake up and the person you see in the mirror is the person that you feel that you are. Like, oh, I feel I like the, the people take that for granted. Right. Mm-hmm. But Sophia, right. Yeah, as we, I think you and I speculated, maybe she's been denied her hormones, probably been denied her hormones. She certainly doesn't have her fantastic wig and her makeup, and she's mm-hmm. also the 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 physical abuse in her face is 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 poorly healed. She, you can tell that when she looks in this uh, this prison mirror, and it's kind of distorted anyway, that it's really that's that's a big toll on her. Right, not I mean, just all the shoe stuff, but then you get out there and like, oh my god, I'm not even, I, I'm not even myself. Right, she's trying to reconcile with what her internal identity is and how she works so hard to be able to transition. Um, and then, you know, that the whole presentation of who you are is so important. Mm-hmm. And to your point, and uh, man, devastating, right? And even. As she's walking by her old stomping grounds in the salon, and it still has that graffiti carved in that says oh, Bursa yeah. has a dick. Sure. I mean, gosh, devastating, right? Like no I one mean, took that fucking down. <laughs> hello? You cover it up with something? Yeah. Which that, you know, draw some boobs on it? Mm-hmm. It, well, you know, that's the thing. Like, I, towards the tail end of last episode or last season, even though Sophia had always been a kind of a popular personage in the camp because, you know, um, she's this fabulous person and she worked and magic. she's works yeah she get your hair done right mm-hmm. um the you know the girls uh all kind of turned against her um there was not very many people that were standing with her in solidarity um and i wonder how much of that is still you know now that things are even more polarized and less sensitive in litchfield i wonder if that's going to be an ongoing uh, point that she has to gonna have to recarve out her space in this this prison yeah, I think her character, um, you know, her issue was was really scary because she was so dehumanized and mm-hmm. ignored, mm-hmm. and there's nothing to do about. But it's interesting when she came back, she was sort of this, um, for lack of a better word, she was innocent to all the things that were happening in that general population, yeah. and so she was watching the polarity that had happened. She was watching the the sort of the violence and that was building mm-hmm. and she wasn't understanding how this could have happened while she was in the shoe. And that was not the Litchfield that she knows. Right. And so in some ways she, she was almost um, an outside observer mm-hmm. and, and making the point of there's, there's no logic here and what is it happening? And, and then her issues were completely ignored just like transgender issues, you know, generally are. And it was sort of like, I was trying to figure out what they were doing with her character. Mm -hmm. If that was a commentary on what's happening when racial issues become 
the hot topic in the media and other issues go away because it's easy for us to understand black and white or, Mm -hmm. you know, brown versus white. Uh, But poor, poor Sophia, just what are we going to do with her? Yeah. And, oh, man, I was so mad when Sister Ingalls takes all the time and effort to put herself in shoe and smuggle (laughs) that phone up her cooch. Okay, so that was kind of funny. Actually, we knew it was coming, right? As she was walking, pretending she has arthritis, and I'm like, "Oh no, you don't! You're not gonna have something!" Oh no! Oh goodness gracious! And then she sneezes. Uh huh. Because it's like when she had to step over the threshold, I thought that's when it was going to happen, and she's able to like really kegel down, and then she sneezes and it clatters out. Her sister Ingles. That was funny. And when Caputo seemed like he was completely not going to help the situation. I was getting so fucking angry at, you know, cause like he's a very nuanced and textured character. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, I can't put up with this shit. This is like you, I, I get that you are a company man. You can carry your water. You know, you got to carry the water to some extent, but this is so beyond the pale. And then, Turns out he's the one that snaps the picture and smuggles the photo out. And I'm like, Thank okay. Goodness. Thank that's, goodness, right? Because that's the thing. Like, I just careen between pulling my hair out with these fucking characters and, <laughs> like, being amazed by them and being kind of mad at Gingy because I don't think sometimes she plays fair by him and puts all things all fast and loose. But, like, God, by, by the end of these fucking episodes, I'm feeling sorry for Healy. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I, I think what I was struggling with is there was no hero for me to sort of... No, not really. ...to glom onto and say, okay, I know it's going to be all right if this character continues to have a little bit of a voice, or I know it's going to be okay if these two work together. There was just no central hero for us to cheer for, and everybody was going through this sort of manic arc of, oh, I really like them. Oh, my God, they're horrible. Oh, okay, maybe they're all right, and now I don't know what to do anymore. Yeah. And I couldn't stop watching. Like these three, this stretch of three, um, as heavy as they were, I had to watch them one after the other because they were they were really good. I was just sucked into the story. Same and, here. And I got to twelve, and I just thought, oh, what the fuck is going to happen at the end of the season? Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, it was just oh, devastating. I want to talk about the Maritza's plot here because oh, no. Gross. you know she this guy whipped the gun out, gun to her head, and made her choose between eating a baby mouse and a, a dead flies. And the way she, the imagery that she used when she described the eating the baby mouse was pretty horrifying. And this this uh, humps guy is such a fucked up individual. And I thought it was interesting how the guards like this is. You know, some of this stuff has been, like, very on the surface, and then some of it is allegorical discussions of essentially, like, rape culture. Right. And the way the guards were, like, you know, privately worried about this guy, but at the end of the day, like, well, he's kind of one of us, and we don't really, what do we really know? And right. the fact that they 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 kind of highlighted the the female guards perspective through that where she kind of knows this is wrong but also does she really want to get roll up her sleeves and blow up the old boys club i that was pretty 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 dark commentary what did you think about all that yeah she was part of the brotherhood and Uh you can't fight against a brotherhood you know even though she has a vagina instead of a penis she's still part of that group and i think from a from a woman's perspective, that happens often. Sure. If you are in a male-dominated 
industry, mm-hmm. you know, there are times when women can't talk about having kids and having to go take care of them. They've got to stay and work later because they've got to be just like all the men who mm-hmm. have less responsibilities. And I think this is, I think McCullough is put in this difficult position because there were some sweet scenes, especially with her, with sh- uh, her and Maritza with the van. And Maritza's like, oh, well, you know, we can help you with a makeover and mm-hmm. I can help you learn how to do this eyeliner and we can have pop. some girl time. Yeah, make your eyes pop. We can have some girl time. And McCullough didn't have that kind of support with her work mm-hmm. colleagues. Mm-hmm. And if she was in the military, she probably didn't have that much going on then too because they were talking about being in Afghanistan and that's hardcore. Yeah, like war. I imagine a woman in a combat role, there is this – and I've seen it, like, even in, in stupid, like, you know, video gaming groups. Like, the oh, sure. women are expected to just put up with a lot of, um, you know, harassment. Because that's, I mean, honestly, that's what, you know, there's the whole thing of, like, busting balls. Like, that's how guys kind of relate is they, they mock and make fun and belittle. And, you know, that's that's kind of host, hostile and probably difficult to deal with. But in the military, it's like kind of off the charts with the hazing and whatnot. So I was I can't remember if I was talking with you or Cecily, but that's kind of I wonder if she's kind of conditioned to just grit her teeth and and keep her shoulder to the or nose to the grindstone because what else you gotta right. you know if you complain is someone going to take you seriously? If they do take you seriously, is it going to have an effect? Are people going to get slapped on the wrist? Once they do, then you're going to be marked as the one who's no fun and who's a problem, and it's not good. Yeah, or worse, you know, we can't trust her, or we have to make accommodations for her because she's a woman. Yeah. No woman wants that. If you're right. if you're working, you want to perform and you want to be respected for your performance, and it doesn't matter if you've got a vagina or a penis. But mm-hmm. it's, uh, I think they were trying to make some of those comments about – women in the workforce with McCullough's character. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel like there were so many correctional officers, it was hard to, uh, to your point, give them any sort of a backstory. So I almost forgot all of their names. Right. They kind of washed into each other. And then I, what I did notice, though, is in these three episodes, we I did see a couple of African-American correctional officers that were up in general population. Mm. They didn't get much to do, but I thought, okay, so, oh, there's one in a meeting. And, and he was, it sounds like he was part of their whole group that was in Afghanistan, or it sounds like they've been, he's been part of the military group that has gone from prison to prison. Right. Um, and he swept right up into everything that the, the collective correctional officers wanted to do, mm-hmm. um, was not advocating for any of the, the prisoners in any way. So, uh, if we want, we can talk about the kind of comedy plot, which is Tasty trying to get some alternative programming in because she is sick and tired of the fucking romantic comedies. <laughs> the rom coms. The rom coms, from... which, which apparently came out of the basement, like Figaro's discards or <laughs> leavings. I could just see it, though. It's probably a lot of like You've Got Mail and Sleepless in Seattle and When Harry Met Sally and. You know, not only those are just all the same type, but you will probably notice that those are all featuring white actors in mm-hmm, in, mm-hmm. in in all the starring roles. So she's wanting mm-hmm. to do The Wiz. Now, I think The Wiz sucks. Um, <laughs> I didn't see the last one that was on NBC last year, uh, which I hear heard was really good. But I've seen the movie and uh, a couple times, and uh, 
Uh, I'm with Suzanne. Like, I I like the other version that's got the you know the flying monkeys and Dorothy and 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 all that. I don't know if that makes me like uh, a small R racist um, or if it's just different taste, but. Uh, I don't know. Where do, where, where do you come down on the whiz? <laughs> I was just going to wait to see how you were going to talk about the whiz. I I agree with Soso and Allison that the whiz was, you know, it was poor production value, all the right intentions. It had an incredible cast, right? We had uh, Michael Jackson mm-hmm. was oh, sure. uh, Scarecrow. At, and this is in his youth when he was yeah. sort of at the height of his his blackness back then. Right. And before um, he kind of like the, everything – before how well, I think he's already fucked up, but before that had time to manifest, you know, right, in, right. in in the public eye. Like maybe he had one nose job, but he still was able to. Sure, you know, his rock and the afro, and his skin was still a nice sort of you know a brown color, and mm-hmm. and then Diana Ross. I mean, come on, sure. legendary talent. How do you argue with uh, that? Nipsey Russell was in that, and I think that the talent that was there was incredible. But I do think that it had horrible production value. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't think out the analogy of um, being in New York to uh, wandering through Oz. Mm-hmm. You know, it just – it was bad. I, I, mean, I like that how when – I forget bad. who it was, but people were trying to lay down the plot. And was it <laughs> Black Cindy or Tasty? Like, like, what? That was what was going on with all that? And yeah, she's like, hold up, Dorothy. 158th Street or yeah, something like that. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, no, I forgot that that's what it was. I mean, I watched this as a kid, so mm-hmm. I, I haven't seen it since. Um, and I, frankly, I miss the new one because life is just too busy. But I did hear that the new one was really good. So, yeah, I get the, the you know, Shame on the, it got a lot of, got a lot of reviews. I, um, you know, and again, I don't know if this makes me another small R racist. I, I made time to watch Grease. Uh, but I did, but, but only, I hate watch. I mean, that, cause that looked like a fucking train wreck and it kind of was, and I was also interested to see how they would do, cause there's a lot of like, you know, uh, like, were they going to, were they going to change the, did she put up the fight line? And there's a lot of other kind of, um, problematic from a social perspective lines in Greece. And I thought it's like, ah, oh, is NBC going to balderize that? And no, yeah. pretty much across the board, they just, just played it straight up. Yeah, I, I would call you a, a lowercase r racist if you would have hate watched The Wiz, The New Wiz, mm. but you didn't. So, no. I, yeah, you're good. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I've talked about this in the podcast. Is like, I'm not not racist. I don't know that it's possible to be in America and not have some of this subconscious and societal stuff that kind of distills in, in you. But I, I do try to be aware of it and root it out where I find it. And, you know, if I have to sit down and watch the fucking whiz to do that, then I, I'll, I'll do it. I'm willing yeah. to do it for no. equality. I think you're okay. Strike you're... a blow for social justice by watching the fucking whiz. I will do it. You get more points for watching or just the new black than you do for mm. watching the whiz. Mm. So mm. think of it that way. Uh one notable thing that happens in the whiz, uh, Suzanne is deciding to, you know, uh, she, uh, no one, none, none of her female companions are telling her to not stick her dick in crazy. Mm. They're saying essentially like, eh, you know, you can make this stuff happen again just because you had one bad outing. She decides to pursue it uh, with Kukukio. Kukukio? Kukukio. The girl with the cabbage patch face, as they said. Yes. Yes, um, I think her first name is Maureen because I had a hard time. That's with right, Maureen. And uh, things go really, really well until she decides <laughs> to give Suzanne, I guess, a taste of her perceived medicine and slams the door 
shut. Yeah. On Yeah, blue labia. Blue labes. I like the the, the blue <laughs> labes. Um <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't and and then boy, this thing with Kakudio or Marine and Suzanne, I feel like the Marine she like she's kind of gaslighting her uh when they're all um being interrogated by Piscatella later on and you know that kind of that leads up and, and Suzanne's like, What are you doing don't yeah. you remember what happened she's like oh you're still mad about that i was just doing that to be even and yeah crazy and crazy are just not good together no no oh, man yeah like you know a lot of times you can be really super dismissive by saying you know that's that's what you know that's the way people dismiss women's current concerns you're you're acting crazy but in this case i think there's enough to go around like you can accurately say no this is this is crazy she's being crazy this is this is the manifestation of some kind of mental and emotional problems Mm -hmm. that are just crashing together like water at the beach and uh it leads to a pretty pretty bad situation um i don't know if we want to get there just yet uh i think we're about to oh the other big uh, plot line in this episode uh the 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 skull bunny skull bunny or bunny skull bunny skull rather is uh the fact that Nikki is in recovery and she is not super committed to it. It doesn't seem like where, I mean, I think that's, that's the thing with addiction and red has had gone around and threatened and cajoled and blacklisted her from every drug dealer in the, in the uh, penitentiary. Yeah. I like seeing this. I like seeing red, um, take some power, right. Take some power back and, and, uh, you know, because I had been sick of Judy King getting more of the spotlight than Red and and Red was just just said, all right, shutting it all down. I'm going to make an embargo on anyone getting any kind of drugs to my my girl, Nikki. Mm-hmm. And she even went all the way up to one of the uh, guards, mm-hmm. the guard um, Dixon, who's addicted to cooking shows. And tried to, you know, is that the chubby redheaded one? Yes. Yeah, enticing yeah, okay. him with uh, fresh fresh herbs and some other sort of fresh thing to, to add to his, his lunch. Right. Which, um, so that was one of those things of breaking stereotypes. You know, he doesn't bring the top ramen like everybody else. He no. actually co- goes homes and cooks. He's, and, a bit of cult- he's, he's cultured. Yeah, he's, he's from cultured. Memphis. He's from Memphis. Cultured, yeah. But still an ass because <laughs> yeah, <totally. laughs> then he just tries to rough up red and, and red didn't take it. She mm-hmm. stood her ground and she's like, I know you can't do anything to me other than give me a shot and I'll take a shot. Um, but you know, leave Nikki alone, which is interesting because, um, you know, in the post people person's reality, that's not even true anymore. Like these guards have, it's, it's a a scary amount of power, but yeah, in, in the moment, I don't think either one of them realized that, uh, he could do something more than give him, give her a shot. Right. And there were little, you know, there's evidence of little things, how the guards are getting more power. So before this, they gave um, Maria more time. Yeah. And, and all these things are leading up to what happens at the end of these three episodes where the, yes. the guards just start physically forcing the the women into submission mm-hmm. and more, you know. And the, you know, the thing that the, we, yeah, we saw them getting making Blanca like you know getting Abu Abu Grabe on on <laughs> Blanca, and then Piper joins them, and then the instigating event I think of what causes the the insanity that's going to ensue in the next two episodes is the fact that uh, you know they're they're building this new dormitory that's to ease the overcrowding, which we find out later. Ha ha. 
mm. uh, jokes on you, Caputo. Uh, but they're building this dorm- dormitory with slave labor. Uh, and they get to a point where they got to run some lines, but there's an unexpected piece of concrete in the way, and Piscatella just signs off on going through the garden, and oh boy, that's not going to be good. And sure enough, the alarms go off, and everything's on lockdown, which, ironically, um, or I don't know if I'm using that word in the Morissette sense of the word or the proper sense of the word, but whatever. Ironically, uh, it gives Piper and Blanca uh, a victory. They outlasted the, the guards. Yes. So, uh, there's the other thing is like, so we haven't talked about it because this kind of largely happened on Cecily and I's watch, but Black Cindy's relationship with, um, Judy King, Judy King, the, it, it, it kind of frosts over in this episode. Is this because I couldn't tell <laughs> if there was genuine animosity because of Judy King ditching the whiz or if they, this was their, you know, because Caputo said this better be legit, or I'm going to come down with you like the wrath of Khan. <laughs> yeah. Do you think it's it's like this is a legitimate frosting of their relationship, or they're just like we're trying to find a natural way out so we can like legitimately have a public breakup and no one can be like, oh, this is a bunch of bullshit lesbian stuff. Yeah, was was Judy's chocolate love melting? Is that what you're asking? Yeah. <laughs> and I don't mean like bullshit. Le- I mean like like fake lesbian. Like oh, this is a bunch of fake lesbian. I'm blowing the lid off this fake lesbian stuff. I I either it was entertaining either way. Whether like she's kind of bought into the whole you know because that's always funny when they you know you got the odd couple and they're they're forced to be in a situation and then ironically they start actually manifesting the behaviors of what they're trying to you know they're faking it till they make it. Um, but I I I couldn't tell. What was your opinion? I couldn't tell if Black Cindy was um, enjoying the attention and enjoying the the faux relationship. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like Judy was really feeling anything. I think Judy plays whatever she needs to play. It's as if she's in front of a camera all the time. Yeah, because there's... So mm-hmm, if she needs to get the attention by pretending that she's um, sweet on Black Cindy, she'll do it. But mm-hmm. you noticed in this episode... She walked in to to the movie, opened the door, looked around, and turned right back and did not go inside and lied about that. Why? Okay, because why, why did you think she did that? Just like, oh, is the whiz fuck this? Or No, it wasn't it already starting to get tense in there? It, I don't think that people were okay, just Okay, because watching. I think Sis and I were yeah. discussing that, and she, hers, she was of the opinion that, like, this is Judy, another instance of, like, Judy's... Um, racism like like i've been hanging around these girls and these women for this time and like okay i've had enough is enough i just want to have my white people time now whereas i didn't get that at all like no i I don't think she's that kind of racist i think she's raised in the south didn't know better racist yes largely I i don't think she's uh i don't think she's hateful against any group but i do think that she's She's getting fearful being in Litchfield, right? She thought she was going to go into this cush minimum security sure. situation. She was going to hold her breath for a couple of weeks and then her 
high powered attorney was going to get her out. Mm-hmm. And I think that as the tension started building and, and the racial divide was growing stronger and stronger, she could she wasn't even protected anymore in her little white castle and yeah. <laughs> seltzer water with with Yoka Jones. She uh-huh. was she was getting thrown in the middle of it. Let's and make it's one not- thing clear. Nobody's protected in White Castle. Like, <laughs> it's just you and your gut, and can you get out of there without, you know, yeah. <laughs> a, a serious intestinal problem. <laughs> uh, yeah, and and I wonder, because there's you can see some frustration of her starting to boil. They, they did a lot of subtle things with her in this episode. Number one, mm-hmm. after you had the whole Molly-fueled sexcapade with Loose Check, and I love his reaction to... Like, hey, you want to do Molly with me? And he's like, oh, shit. Yes. Like, you know, that's because that's who he is. And then when, you know, Yoga Jones and Judy King start getting down and dirty, he's again like, shit, shit. I should have seen this coming. But again, gets completely sucked into it. But there's this, I call it the misery montage where Healy's on the phone with his estranged wife and he's trying to make a connection there and essentially leaving a suicide message. And they pan over like Loose Check and Yoga Jones with a thousand yard stares. And then Judy King is just reading her book and, you know, eating strawberries. And this has not affected her at all. Um, and then kind of tensions with her boil over when, as you said, she expected her lawyer to have her out by this date and she's still in there. I wonder if she's going to ultimately be the force that gets Piscatella fire. Like, she'll have to, like, you know, get down from her ivory tower, her white castle, survey the landscape and be like, you know what, this is making, you know, either for selfish reasons or altruistic reasons, this is, this has got to, this has got to change. Yeah. Because otherwise, they've kind of lampshaded her being this powerful thing and all it's amounted to is seltzer water and, you know, a, a, a comedy plot with Black Cindy and her being fake lesbians like there's got to be something more to that right right because she was such a threat to um the prison in terms of the, the establishment administrator yeah the yeah. administration was afraid of what she would do when she got out and they uh, they were also just saying you know gingerly handle her and make sure she's happy and and you know don't let her be exposed to anything that's going on and she doesn't have to eat the food and we're going to take care of her yeah her power could be used for good i suppose yeah but it seems to me that she was just separating herself and trying to um, get out of the situation in these three episodes. So I want to talk about Healy and kind of rip this bandage off because even though they've they're starting they're starting to pull his rehabilitation arc, um, I'm not completely feeling it just yet. Um, I'm like boo, you know, like you're still a shit bag, you know, until until proven otherwise, you're you're still a shit bag. Um, he is shaken by the news of the body being in the garden. Um, what, what do you think is going through his mind? I just want to check, make sure we're on the same page. What do I think is going on? Well, I think the way I read it was, you know, Healy's job is to be there to, um, help the inmates talk to someone when they need, um, emotional support. Mm -hmm. Right. And for something like that, so something so violent to happen, uh, in under his watch, I think he just felt like any shred of control that he had before was just decimated. Yeah. I and th- that's the ahead. prison as well as himself, right? So it's sort of the prison is an analogy for his own life and his own situation. Yeah. Uh, because we see him yearning for a connection. I think we talked about that last time. He's trying to find somebody who will 
believe that he's a good person and somebody who will just talk to him as a person. Everybody mm-hmm. hates him. All the you know that they just make fun of him. Well, in he terms he of, wants to be seen as a good person, and he's not a good person. No, he's trying to control things and trying to. Um, find acceptance in ways that are uh, manipulative. Right. And that's the thing. Like, I don't think he's evil, but I think the way he's trying to get, as so many people do, the way he's trying to, and the way he's been conditioned and taught to interface with the world is to, if I smile and I do things that are nice, then that means I'm nice and people respect me for that. Whereas, (laughs) you know, people on outside see the kind of like rage and self-loathing that are boiling underneath that and kind of repelled like it's like you can put a nice coat of paint on that but you're still a fucking mess dude yeah what is it you can't put pig on a lips lips to go to pig yeah well you could but like (laughs) (laughs) no one's gonna want to kiss it um You know, and the pig is saying, "What? Look what I did for you! I put lipstick on, and you're still right. not going to kiss me." The fuck and you! Ironically, you you tested this product on animals, and right. you're putting this on me. <laughs> um, I feel also, also there's the element of Lolly came to him and confessed, and he's so bad at his job that he and he wanted to see her through his own like you know mom's lens that he just didn't take any of that seriously which i don't know that i blame him for this but it's it's funny that the thing that actually seemed to take him over the edge i don't know that you can reasonably be blamed for cuz how in the fuck right. like there's no prison guards missing you know she's she is clearly have delusional episodes and she's she's paranoid she just thinks that this has happened but he i feel like that's the thing like Oh my God, my whole job is to psycho- psychologically analyze these women and keep them sane and balanced and healthy. And now I've failed and it's gotten someone killed and they're going to find out, you know, they're going to go through these paperwork and they're going to see all these reports and they're going to see like all these statements and they're going to know that I knew and I can't fucking handle it. Right. And it, it was a trigger for him too to say, and I've lost all my own stability. Mm hmm. Although, you know, we were talking about how much of an ass he is. He he left, right, when they were supposed to be on lockdown and, yep. and have went a meeting. Went to go get ice and cream. He, and he then... went to get ice cream and then checked out the little teenager's ass as she walked away. I'm like, you are such a pig. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, anyway. I don't know. At, I don't know at um, I don't know at what age you stop checking out young girls' asses. Um, but you can, okay. try, you can try to not pee, make them. I mean, that's the whole thing. Like. You know, you, you, you try as my, my philosophy as a horny guy is you try to get through life without having that ruin anyone else's time, you know, <laughs> like like share it with the people who want it to be shared with and keep, keep you know, use it to use that. No, um, just use that pa- to yourself. Use, 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 well, no, like there's some. Pe- hey, look, I have a woman in my life that wants me to use my 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 sexual energy on. You know, like it's all I consensual. You meant, I thought you meant when you said share it. I thought you meant you know, hey, hey, dude, check out that girl's ass. No, 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 so no, no, no. I'm no. like, don't do that. No, 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 no. Like share it with the people who want you to share it with them, yes. and oh, then no. keep it, keep use that positive sexual energy to further further your your drive and ambition in other areas of life. But yeah. Don't fucking creep people out. Jesus, oh, Healy. Ah, oh. Yeah. Like, Jesus. that's the thing. Like, noticing it and then craning your neck and like, you know, and, and letting your tongue hang out. That's that's where you cross the line. Yeah, but. I totally accept that we're, people are going to check out other people uh, physically. Yeah. Fine. No problem. But just be subtle about it, sure. you know, and don't rib your, your boy next to you and be like, yo, 
you know, mm-hmm. see that rack or whatever, whatever men say. So, okay, let's just go ahead. Let's 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 segue into this conversation. Um, is that terrible? Like, if you're with your guy friends and you wanted to talk and and you want to talk about you know women's bodies and how you feel about them, because I feel like. <laughs> you know, when it's a bunch of middle-aged women perving on the vampire boy and the werewolf boy in Twilight, it's all tee-hee and everything's fun. But then guys doing the same, it's that's their dirty old men. Yeah, well, it gets back to power, right? Yeah. Objectification is fun, and we all do it in our groups. Uh-huh. Uh, and there's just the gender dynamic again where it is about men historically having more power and men using sex as power also, mm-hmm. whereas women have not been able to do that in the same way. Mm-hmm. And so that's why it's not cool um, because it is about women continuing to be in a, a one-down position. Hmm. That's the way I look at it. I wonder, so are we striving to be in a society where nobody sexually um is objectified or it's an equal opportunity objectification. Well, you know, then, you know, now we get into this whole thing about how sex is still a taboo in so many ways in our sure. society. And that's the thing, right? like there's so a difference between yeah. sexual being something being sexualized and the objectification of same, like, um, that you forget that the person's a human that, you know, has their own wants and needs and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. which is what's happening in this prison. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. They're just, their women are not women. They are inmates and they don't have feelings and they don't have families. Mm-hmm. And so it's um, dehumanizing these individuals. And and you look at what's her name, Linda. Yeah. You know, Linda doesn't even she had never been to a prison. She doesn't know what happens inside. And, sure. and she doesn't think about these women as women. And she didn't, you know. And that's where like where it since we're touching on that, um I thought that's another thing that I, that kind of strained my cred- credulity. Like it's she's not some entry level or even mid level person. She's at the top of purchasing and procurement. She's like you know in the the executive branch. How in the hell has she never set foot in prison? Mm-hmm. That would be like if you are you know procurement for McDonald's and you've never been in a McDonald's. Or then maybe that's even because like or if you you work for procurement for Dow Chemical and you've never been in a chemical plant. That just seems like. At some point, you would have been forced to take at minimum some kind of corporate field trip out to see a model one, you know? Yeah, but I don't think it necessarily happens in every industry. I really? Mean, yeah, I just I just don't. I mean, I think she could have come from procurement in a smaller company, you know, buying um, Oh, I never thought about the fact that you can make a lateral work, move, yeah. Right, and then she moved, oh, this is this big promotion, but I'm going to go work for the prison system, what it's CSS or SC, whatever they're called. Mm-hmm. Um, but they never thought to actually send her out to the field, quote-unquote. Right. And, 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 and worse, they send like. her to the marketing junkets where she gets this warped, right, you know, funhouse version of it. Yeah, yeah. She yeah. has to buy product and she has to buy um, the tchotchkes that you need uh, to run a business, but um, she doesn't have to experience it. Like for, for me, I work for a Japanese car company and they have this thing called Genji Genbutsu. What is, the fuck? <laughs> let me explain it to you, Aaron. Okay. All right, I'm so listening. Genji Genbutsu is this concept of go look, go see. So you oh. can't understand a process, right? Because we're about manufacturing vehicles and, mm-hmm. and creating processes. You can't understand a process if you don't physically yourself go look and go see. Let's look at these 
parts that we're putting together. Let's look at this, the product that we're trying to create. Mm -hmm. Let's look at even the base metal that we get as we walk into the manufacturing plant and we watch it get pressed. Mm -hmm. You have to see it yourself. If you're an engineer or whether you're working on the line, it doesn't matter. You have to be able to understand the entire process in order to make it better. Right. And so they definitely did not apply Genji Genbutsu to this woman's job. But that's a basic thing in in companies. And I think anyone who takes business classes, you learn about production systems where that's a big part of it is no matter where you are on the line, whether you are sitting there and, you know, tightening bolts on a tire or whether you're sitting up in a technical center designing the cars, you have to be able to see it from beginning to end. And so Linda's character never did that. And she doesn't understand that piece of the work, it all it's all paper to her, hmm. right? There's no people involved. Interesting. And that's a disservice for uh, for the business, obviously. Right? Yeah, like, I guess that's because every business I've ever been associated with has always had some kind of rule similar to that thing that you mentioned. Kim be, what? Get, Genji Genbutsu. Genji Genbutsu. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get that. <laughs> I can't even <laughs> pronounce people's names right. Um, but I... Every like like my one of my first like real big people jobs was FedEx, and what I thought was interesting there is like no matter like if you were a C suite executive or even like the pilots, which was controversial, you had to spend uh, if if you wanted to work for FedEx, you had to spend a minimum of three months as a package handler. I think that's great. Um, I think that's great. And you know, and I I've often wondered it's like I wonder if the pilots union finally negotiated because they you know some of the real you know kind of better than you pilots were the hoity-toity ne- pilots yeah never that was all never <laughs> sat well with them they're like i gotta fucking sling packages with these 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 an- these animals no um but uh yeah and like almost everyone i've ever been with it's like if you if you if you need to be in middle management above do you have to go like work a cash register you have to manage a store you have to you know like you can't yeah. and i feel like yeah I, I guess i just thought every place was like that but yeah well I, I privatized I prisons so. i i it's funny it's like i'll believe so much dysfunction from them but they <laughs> they surely have sound management practices That's right. right of course how they could they not to. do these basic things that you know any large company does um but healy so healy tries to commit suicide um decides uh and it's funny because i feel like the only reason he waded back to shore is because he thought his goddamn thought, yeah, estranged wife Katya was calling back, right? Because his phone was I'm, ringing. Yeah, I'm so worried about you, Sam. Sam. Yeah. And, and I actually, yeah. they, they baited me into that. And then when it got back and I'm like, work, I'm like, yep, that's about right. <laughs> um, but he has this kind of moment of clarity. Also, can I talk about how amazingly water repellent Healy's shirt is? Did you notice that? <laughs> Oh yeah, because he was all the way in. To and the, it, that that shirt did at, at not. Get, yeah. It's like that crazy sand it's, that you yeah. can play with. It just just like repels know. water. Yeah, it's got to be some sort of you know better than um, Nike Dry Fit stuff that I, Linda's buying for their uniforms. Damn straight, I want to get a yeah. couple of those shirts and get some Bald yeah. Move logos on them, and I'll never have to do laundry again. Right, you guys could be at cons all three days and never sure. change your shirt. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's, do it. That's... I can just see you and Jim rocking these <laughs> these baby blues. <laughs> We're gonna be down well, gonna be down in Huntsville with the baby blues. Yeah, they'll show his eyes off really well. So yeah, <laughs> not a bad thing. Bring out the shit brown in mine. Yeah. Um <laughs> I'm w- bummed I'm missing you guys in Huntsville. I happen to, I'm going out there, uh we have a plant out there. Oh. I'm missing you guys by just a couple months, so it's a bummer. You're referring to the Rocket City NerdCon. I am referring to Rocket City NerdCon. Yeah, just we're, to put that a plug on this podcast. Yeah, why not? We're going uh, We're going out there in uh, October. I think October 21st and 22nd. It's a Saturday and Sunday. And uh, it's in Huntsville, Alabama. 
Yeah, rock, rock, rocktober. Yeah, the rock yeah, and the, it's uh, that's the people don't know that uh, there's a major NASA facility down there. And no, that's so cool. I got because you know I was a big space camp kid, yeah, and that's where space yeah. camp. If you've seen the movie, that's where they actually have it, and uh, it's cool because if you're going down, like I believe it's 65 South, like they've got one of those, I believe Saturn rockets that it's by the oh, like the Welcome man. to Huntsville sign on the interstate. And at night, that fucking thing, it's like the size of Statue of Liberty, only it's a rocket, and it's white oh, and black, and it's lit up, and you can just see it for miles. It's awesome. I'm so excited for you guys. I am, so too. Psyched. It's going to be yeah. fun. I hope everybody in the, yeah. in the southern region gets to come down and see us there. But uh, go to rocketcitynerdcon.org if you want more details on that. Do it. Stealth Do plug. It. Self plug. Nope. It just yep. cloaked off your starboard bow and hit you with three photon torpedoes. What are you going to do? <laughs> uh, red alert, people. Um, where were? Oh, Healy. So he Healy. comes back and he can. I'm. I think because they don't really spell this out, which I enjoyed. But I feel like that he just says, "Hey, it's Lolly. Lolly did like I. I did a bad job. I fucked up, and she's the one that did the deed, right?" I. I just remember. They grab Lolly, but I maybe that was Alex was going to confess. Like they and they they were kind of leaning on like there's multiple things. Like I know it wasn't Alex because she tried to confess and they said no, it's too late. It could have been it could have been Red or it could have been. But I feel the way they did it with with Piscatelli having him in his office and uh, that that he essentially cracked and then. Um, the next scene we see him in the, um, you know, he, he's with red and she's saying like, look, we need you. You can't have a breakdown right now. And he's like, well, fuck you. Mental health doesn't work that way. <laughs> and <laughs> he walks out and gets, goes into a, uh, uh, it looks like some kind of, uh, the mental health clinic. Yeah. Crazy. Which, good right? for him. Good for him. That is, uh, he has got so much toxic anger and shame and self-loathing that it's going to take a while to unravel all that you know like it's going to take a really patient therapist to be like you know sam let's think about how the words you're using to describe women and your coworkers and yourself like Like, he doesn't even realize the language that he's using is bad are they going to give him a female or a male doctor right that's a whole layer of his own therapy for him to work through some of these issues. I think I wonder he needs, what they're going to do with him. I would recommend him having a male therapist. Yeah. He's, he's going to have to work with his gender issues eventually yeah, too, right? I, I, get, so, I get that, but yeah, like, yeah. that's not, if you, you know, if you want to, uh, you know, if you, if you want to, um, if you want to help someone with their spider, their arachnophobia, you don't assign them a tarantula for a therapist. Uh, I guess there is a version therapy, but right, but, like you throw people in into just a what tank full of spiders, of. like you're you're either going to die or cure, you'll be cured. But no, <laughs> I, I I feel like that. Yeah, you might you, you um, if nothing else, just to spare the female therapist from the psychic toll of his hostility yeah. and negativity. Right, the female therapist won't put up with it, so I think you're right. They're yeah. they're give him a male and then see how long that takes because he's very damaged. Yeah, um, he, and he, he comes by it honestly. It's prices. not like he woke up one day and like I'm going to be a fucking misogynist asshole. Like he, from his dad and from his experience with his mom, like he's come by all this honest and he ironically wants to help. Like I do feel like he's like you know one of the reasons he got into this is because. His mom, you know, the central figure in his life was suffering from these mental illnesses, and he wants to help people, specifically women. 
but yes, he's too fucked up to do it. I know that's oh that scene you know and, and we're back on episode eleven when they were bringing Lolly in and and she's so like mellow as she's walking and then they they open on that bright green wall oh, and then psych. they take her through psych. yeah it's, and they close the bars and Lolly's screaming this is a mistake and he's just staring and is this the first time we've actually been in Psych I because think I know so. they've always talked about it as this seventh circle of hell that even. You know that the women are always trying to keep Suzanne out of because yeah. my God, she's she's a little crazy, but no one deserves to be in psych. And then you see it, and it's just yeah. this full of people screaming and and prisoners being forcibly restrained. Which you got to yes. think that that Lolly, with her condition, sees all these uniformed people, you know, restraining and and pumping these inmates full of drugs. That's got to just be her worst nightmare. Yeah, it was horrible, that scene as they closed. I mean, there was other horrible th- th- scenes happening before that, too. But that closing, you know, as a viewer, I was just emotionally wrapped up in everything happening. And then all of a sudden, there's this violent scene of forcing Lolly into psych and dragging yeah. her down there. And how physically. she was such she she was like those, um, you know, those those uh, cattle coming off the truck and getting herded into mm. the, the shoots and have knowing uh, no idea what is coming until right. like they smell the blood and like ah uh, you know oh it was um pretty terrible and if mm-hmm. i was healy i'd probably have an emotional breakdown just from that shit sure just from her sure. screaming at him uh yeah pretty 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 soul-searing stuff <sighs> shall we talk about while we're on the topic of mental health shall we talk about Suzanne's backstory because Suzanne's backstory yes didn't please. we just talk about how we don't know that we need to see what got her into prison but we, we kinda, did but boy we got it and yeah. it is a tragic it, it's it's funny because it stems from kind of like you know she's has this moment of triumph where we see her working at a generic Walmart because obviously you can't use Walmart <laughs> the Waltons would see you. Um, and she's the greeter. And, you know, um, it, you can tell that, like, I mean, she's definitely good at the greeting thing. But it's also a little kind of off-putting to the people. Like, I would know not know how to handle Suzanne if I mm-hmm. walk into a Meyer or a Walmart. And this is this. I'm confronted with this much positivity. I'd be like, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, <laughs> keep my eyes Aww. at the floor and just power walk past it. But it's such a good job for someone in, who has that sort of mental capacity, right? True. Because she's only asked to greet. She's not asked to stock things. She's not asked to do any numbers. She's not asked to – she's just asked – You know, though, it's interesting because I've talked about my buddy Orfer. Um, yes. Who I've – you know, he was a mentally retarded boy. And I – you know, because of the cult I was in, we all were kind of forced in the same age group to run together, which was um, formative for me. Sure. But, yeah, he had a job at a retail establishment, and that's the position that they gave him often because that was something that he could do. But on the other hand, he didn't have the emotional and social skills to do it without it being a problem. You know, like when she uh, – that, that like when, when the guy came up to give her an employee, the, the, her first thing was like, oh, my God, has someone complained? Like he was mm. constantly getting complaints because he would make a woman feel uncomfortable or he'd make oh. – you know, like just because he just – didn't fucking didn't didn't like like I said he didn't have the emotional or social skills necessary to do that job but right. everyone wanted him to do that job because he couldn't run a register and like you know 
what do you do what do you do Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i guess that's what i'm you know just to just to familiarize people with it uh so her sister i think right yes her sister her big sister has been you know long suffering and spending uh you know time watching her and kind of babysitting her on the weekends and she's got a new boyfriend and all she wants to do is go to chesapeake bay and make sexy times with him, which is normal and understandable. Right. Completely. Healthy. And she thinks Suzanne can do it. She just got a employee of the month thing, for God's sakes. Um, what is, and, and then she goes, you know, she goes to the park and finds this kid, Dylan, who she's, you know, had some interactions with his family, invites him back to her house with popsicles. And already it's like, oh, shit. And I didn't know that the kid himself was going to freak out and call 911. I thought it was just going to be the parent, but... That's what happens, and then it keeps getting worse because I'm like, you probably could already go to jail for kidnapping a child, right? Not because right. nobody's going to hear anything otherwise. And then he gets chased at because she's freaking out because she just wants him to be a friend, and in her mind, friends don't abandon each other, and they certainly don't call nine one one on each other. And she chases him out onto the uh, fire escape, and he falls to presumably his death because they were pretty far up there. Yeah, and yeah. whole. Holy shit. My question is, what is the moral to this story? What is the moral to this story? Yeah. Like what, you know, like what instructive. Like, like, do we not? Yeah. Do we not allow adult aged people with um, mental disabilities to be on their own? Yeah. Do we start there? I mean, I think. Um... And, and how do you draw the line? Because right. there's some, you right. know, and, and, and do you, can you just use like, it's just. I yeah. mean, it's real, but as like I kept on like, man, what the fuck am I supposed to take away from this? I know, and it's horrible because they obviously um, this young boy and his whole family had a relationship. They all knew Suzanne because sure. they went to the store all the time because mm-hmm. it's in the neighborhood. Yeah. So of course he's going to trust her, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not the kid's fault that he goes to go hang out, have popsicles because his big brothers were ignoring him. They weren't sure. playing with him at the park. They were so killing he ants. With, they no were fun. killing ants. <laughs> Um, and he wanted a popsicle and they got to play video games and it was all good. And Suzanne, you know, she just wanted somebody to hang around with, with her. Mm-hmm. She didn't, it, she wanted company. She wanted someone to be with and, her. And the fact that she was in the park approaching friendship, like she was the greeter at the exactly. big box store was just so heartbreaking. People were, yeah. People were cringing just like you do when you walk into Walmart and that poor person who's making the you know minimum wage or less greets you. See, I don't that, that that doesn't usually happen to me because the greeters don't want to greet any more than I want to be greeted. But I'm <laughs> saying, like, if there were a Suzanne, I would, I, I you know, I, I was raised right. I'd suck it up and and be polite. But phew, that's the thing, like, you know, because every place I've ever been in retail establishment trains everyone to like aggressively greet and can help you. And like me and Jim have always talked about, like. There, that works for like 50% of the population. The other 50% just like, go away. Yeah. Can I? Yeah, it works for extroverts for sure. Right. The but introverts are like, no, fuck are off. Like, Could you, look, I don't even want to make eye contact. No, I'm going to act like you're no, not there. Here's $5. Give me my right. Red Bull. Goodbye. Good good day, <laughs> sir or madam. Good day, sir. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was really like, oh, man, she's here trying to greet people and wanting to make friends. And yeah. honestly, the kids like... You know, Suzanne, that's kind of the people that she probably feels more comfortable hanging around because oh, yeah. she's got that childlike mind. You bet. Emotionally, she's probably about, you know, 11 or 12. Yeah. Or, you know, I mean, even she's, if she's wicked a, smart, but. Right. But, you know, she's 28 years old and, mm-hmm. and uh, 
I think her sister fairly definitely thought, okay, look, I've got everything she needs to survive. You She's got, your got schedule. Food. You got your. Pig. She knows when she's supposed to be at work, yep. right? Um, so she can handle all that. But it's that subtlety of what Suzanne needs in the way her personality is structured. Is she needs people? She mm-hmm. needs someone to to talk to, and and she needs someone to help her. Mm-hmm. She doesn't know any better. They didn't teach her how to be independent, right? Um, so that's when she goes out and she, she finds someone she knows and she said, let's go play and, you know, this will be great. And she was somewhat, you know, like, okay, don't leave me. Okay, no, you can go home, but come right back. Mm-hmm. You know, so she was kind of, I mean, not reasonable, but kind of, she kind of got, okay, well, maybe he shouldn't be here all night long. Yeah. It like was I... only five o'clock. It wasn't dark outside. Yeah. And that's the but, thing. Like okay. I... I see from her perspective, and like I agree with you. Like, if uh, Dylan had, if she comes back with her cape on, and Dylan is just like, "Look, I gotta go. I gotta at least check in." But that's expecting him to, like, yeah, if he could, as an adult, say, "Hey, how would your sister feel if you disappeared and didn't check in with them?" Like, he does. He's just a little kid. Now he's scared. He he was having fun, but now he's scared. Um, Right. Because he knows he's getting in trouble. That's all he was concerned with. And then all of a sudden she comes out and he's like, I don't know where I am. It's like, you know, if you had like two 11-year-olds locked in a room, like it would get pretty Lord of the Flies pretty quick. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, that's exactly – that's kind of what happened here. Like yeah, there should be a mommy I... or a daddy or someone to be like, uh, now kids, but uh-huh. there isn't because Suzanne's yeah. an adult. And what do you do? But he – why didn't he call his – parents instead of calling 911 that was because just that's excessive. the thing like his parents didn't teach him not to go home with or not to to, to leave a place without telling them but they yeah. told him that like if you're in trouble call 911 sure, maybe he didn't sure. like i i wonder how many kids if you just grabbed a random 11 or 12 year old off the street oh shit now i'm in suzanne's storyline <laughs> just grab a random one just grab them grab them <laughs> grab a random 10 or 11 year old and say what's your mommy's phone number how many do you think know it oh they know it do you really think so? Yes, no, I do. No, no. I do. because. Well, I don't know. I live in California and Los Angeles. Everybody has cell phones. Even 9 and 10-year-olds have cell phones. I get it. But I'm saying I, like yeah. all – if you think of all kids with, yeah, okay. all, with parents of all levels of engagement, and this is the third child. This isn't the first child. This is the <laughs> third child. Dylan. Like I wonder if – that shirt. Like, like I wonder if uh, – because, you know, my 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 ex and I have worked with my, my son, so he knows our phone numbers and we've drilled him from a very young age and he's got all that down but and also our my phone number's not changed in 15 years and neither yeah. is hers so yeah. i don't know that everyone can say the same i just wonder if you grab the random tint again this sounds bad if you questioned a random 10 year old on the street if they would know like I, I, I bet I, 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 grant, I think it's like 75% maybe as high yeah, as that. Let's try it. Let's but... try it. I'm going to go to the mall on Saturday. <laughs> it's summertime. I'm going to accost every, only the nine or 10 year olds though. You know, and yeah, and the thing is, um, you, you have, a, if you have a clipboard and, and you are <laughs> a presentable professional, uh, female, you could get, I, if I did that shit. Yeah, no, you're kind of scary. You're big. The the second kid that I yeah. ask, I would have cops called on me. Yeah, but you know now, no more clipboards. You've got to have an iPad, so you've got to ah, have yes. a tablet of some sort. And yeah. you're right. They see me with a um, clipboard, they know I'm up to no good. Right? Yeah, that guy's because just posing. It's 1980s. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, which that's but, another. Yeah, I, go, I'm do, sorry. Go ahead. I'm just gonna say I do think kids know phone number, know their parents' phone numbers at least. Um, but where was mom at the park? 
Well, I think she. I mean, that's another thing. Like, she you know, the kids there by themselves. Hmm? Here's the thing: if his older brother, so this kid's eleven, ten, eleven years old. If his older brothers are thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, I I don't see a damn thing wrong with letting those kids go to park with that level of supervision. Like, I guess I'm one of those parents that just like. You know, I just uh, the odds of them being abducted by a Suzanne are so low compared to the, you know, uh, teaching these kids to kind of have their freedom and be accountable for themselves. I'm I'm more of a free range parent. Yeah. Yeah. Midwest. Free range. I guess that's true, too. But you know what? That's that's the thing. Like I that even New York City is not that dangerous a place. It's, It's never been safer than it is right now. And yet we treat the world as if it is like this, just yawn, you know, this, this, this yawning maw of predators that want to grab our children. And it's not true. But on the other hand, do you want to be the one in a million kid, you know, parent that ends up with their kid in the river or something? I, yeah, Yeah. I'm the paranoid single mom that it, that will not allow my daughter to be by herself. And you're not wrong. And you're not wrong. But, I don't uh, let her take the bus in L.A. Uh-huh. You know, she wants to go someplace. I won't even. She's 18 and I still don't let her take the public bus. I'm like, no, <laughs> you, you know, I don't want you. On OK, the bus. that might be a little wrong. She's an adult know. now. <laughs> it's L.A. It's scary here. Yeah, it's it because it's because she does have, you know, um, she is disabled. She's got emotional disability. Oh, I didn't so, know that. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So it's so yes, she's 18 and she can vote and all those things. But she's still emotionally immature. She's getting better. But I just. I just don't trust it yet. So this is interesting. So you've got an inside perspective on like what it's like to have, you know, what it's like to be the family yeah. that's trying to judge. Like you don't Develop know, you can't know, you, you yeah. can't simulate the future and crawl on someone's head and decide like, are they going to be able to handle whatever? Um, yeah, that's uh, that's right. why I said like I I kind of walked away from this not knowing what the hell the answer is, and maybe there yeah. isn't. It's. Yeah, I think it's tough because, um, you know, for Suzanne's character, she's she's very, very intelligent. I think you already said that. Mm-hmm. And so when everything is great, mm-hmm. she's high functioning. But yes. if one thing is out of order, right, it triggers her. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's very um, typical of folks who have emotional disabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got to keep things if structure is really good. Right. So that's what right. I try to teach my daughter. Structure is important. Things need to be in the in the same place all the time, so we don't panic when we're looking for our keys. We don't panic when we're sure. looking for our binder. You know, it's those kinds of things that I'm I'm teaching her, and she's getting it now. But mm. it took a long time. And so when I was 18, I had my I bought my own car. I had a job. I was out running. You know, doing everything. Right. My daughter's not ready yet. Right. Do you know? I think that they did such a great job at the parallel structure here of showing Suzanne. Um, outside of his routine and how she makes poor decisions and has these kind of meltdowns. And then you see this, this is the perfect storm in the prison. Yeah. Um, you know, Caputo says, Hey, no cowboy shit. The FBI is going to be here in the morning. Ugh. I got to go report. And, and, you know, and, and the Piscatella is like, okay, fucking lights on. Nobody yeah. gets to go to the bathrooms. I'm gonna start questioning people. And Suzanne from the starts, like, you know, the, the, the rest of the women are like, fuck yeah, slumber party. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so is going to start, you know, doing Lisa Loeb, uh, firing up that shit again. <laughs> um, but Suzanne's like, I need my sleep. If right. I don't get my sleep, I want to be off kilter. And then she's taken in for questioning and then she's forced to fight a gladiatorial match. And it turns yeah. into something that she wouldn't do in any normal circumstance. 
No. And it was like one of those things where it's like, oh, shit, I'm in a car with no brakes and this is not going to end well. No, no. And she's we know she's strong and we know that when she gets wound up or she gets focused on something uh, in terms of defending herself or her people she loves, it's she's not you can't mess with her. You, she's just too. Yeah, she's too strong. You know, that scene was just so violent and excessive and inhumane. Mm hmm. And they showed Maureen's face being bashed oh, yeah. in. I mean, graphically showed yeah. it. And I thought, wow, that's up. intense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the the guards were just standing around. And it was like the Humps prisoners. was getting a hard on. The pr- the, yes. The, you know, like Humps was getting a hard on. And the prisoners, it took one, you know, I think Maria is the one who jumped in and said, this is, well, we got to stop this. And I just like, I did, here's, again, this is all very riveting storytelling. However... There was a large part of me during this whole thing, like, comp that really, I mean, no one is going to step in and be like, this is like fucking that you can't do this. Like, I'm worried about our jobs. Like, how the hell? Like, there's 30 women. Like, I get it that there's like, we're the guards and they're the prisoners, but there's like 35 of them. And like, just from a purely naked self-interest standpoint, that no one thought it was a good idea to jump in there when someone's getting their face pounded in. Like, if this person dies, yeah. Like, I I there's the question of how could you not control? Like, like if Kukudio, she's beat up to the extent that this wasn't just like one punch. You couldn't be mm-hmm. like, hey, they were on each other and we couldn't stop it. Like, there was five, six guards. How the fuck did you let one woman pound the other into mashed potatoes? Yeah, no, I think it's a power thing and mob mentality. So Humphrey kind of established himself as the big dick in the room, and he set this up, right? Mm -hmm. And the prisoners were all scared because they were there for questioning. That's why they were all in that room, right? Mm -hmm. So they were already saying, oh, I can't mess up because if they think I had anything to do with this guard dying, who knows what they're going to do to my sentence or who knows where they're going to send me? What if I have to go to Max? I think it was this sort of swept up mob mentality where Humphreys was in control Mm -hmm. and no one was going to push against him. Yeah. I really do. Even though there were more prisoners in the room, I still think they were afraid, right? Even Maria, right? She did something that wasn't supposed to get major punishment and she got more time added to her sentence she's not going to want to do anything to rock the boat uh, no for sure for sure um so i think we've uh the, the only thing i want to talk about is Coates's story because there's another one where mm. i'm not sure hard, what yeah. i'm supposed to get from his relationship with bailey because you know, bailey seems like this guy who will do anything to get along um and it's gotten him in a lot of trouble before and it might be getting him in trouble now and mm-hmm. like you know the whether this place changes you and whether you can mm-hmm. be something like a can you be a prison guard and essentially be you know have all this unlimited authority over other people that are of a lower class than you and not have that not change you you know yeah yeah um can you like it is like if you're a police officer and you're getting swung at and and you know you you feel like every time you pull over somebody they might shoot you is that going to can you continue to do your job as as serving the public trust in a effective manner when it's uh, those are these are all questions and I know they're trying to deal with that with the the coats yeah. and the Bailey's mm-hmm. plotline but I'm not you know again part of this might be it's like a very very David Simon esque the wire there is no good answers and you're no. supposed to observe and think but 
yeah, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be getting out of this. Yeah, it's so hard, right, to be in some sort of public service or civil service role like a police officer. You know, I have a, a very good friend who's an LAPD and she's a woman. Yeah. And, you know, they're taught to um, look for people who are, quote unquote, gangbangers. And mm-hmm. there's the uniform that they wear and you need to be safe. She happens to be Latina. She's not working in Pleasantville. When she's called no, out, it's not to get a cat no. out of the tree. It's because right. shit's broke bad and something that that shouldn't be happening is happening. Right. So we have conversations all the time about, well, what about the, you know, the kids who are just wearing, you know, a white t-shirt and baggy jeans because that's the style and you're Mm. assuming that they're all gangbangers and she's like i have to for my safety that's true and and i just think gosh you know like that's that's why we have so many problems because she's she's college educated you know she came from a a middle class background she's she understands more the world more broadly than a lot of people because she does have um an education and yet that's still the first piece of mentality that she goes to not all police officers are educated sure Right. I mean, she's a detective now, so she's worked her way up the ranks. But just right. think about the folks who go right from ba- maybe barely graduating high school. I don't want to assume. Or maybe they go into the military and they come out and then they sure. go into like these correctional officers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excuse me. They went into the military and they came back to work in prison. They were all in the maximum security prison. So they were dealing with violent criminals mm-hmm. before Piscatella got brought down. Well, to so help out. and the, the the military ones in, pers- in particular, they're not from Max. They're from they're being hired from some special veterans work program, which that's because because I I've also had this problem with like man, they are not really portraying veterans in the best light, and that's so bad. I mean that the whole idea of hiring veterans is a big deal from a procurement standpoint. Ironically, well, right? because Linda like, brought that idea because it's. They're minority-owned businesses, uh-huh. and and they're giving jobs to veterans. That's a big push in diversity, which is what I do yeah. on a full-time basis. So I'm so excited that they brought that in, and then all of a sudden, the all the veterans were assholes. All of That's them. Horrible. Now, like they 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 did make. I think there's some like comment that this is in particular a program for unemployable veterans. Like they've tried, and for whatever reason, they haven't been able to hold down jobs or people. I, I, it's like maybe that there is like some other issues with here, them besides the fact that they're just veterans looking for jobs. But Jesus Christ, I don't know. Like does orange and new black have a plot line like they're doing now where felons have a hard time getting jobs. And then they show like 10 random prisoners out in the public and all 10 for 10 immediately start stealing Mm. from their employers. Like, would they do a plot line like that? Like, I just feel like, is there anyone that had any kind of military service or was like, what the fuck, guys? Because, uh, you know, the 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 most decent one is not McConaughey. McCon- what was um, the, the McCullough? Fe- yeah, the McCullough. So she's a female, mm-hmm. number one, and number two, she's not. She 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 doesn't. She barely participates in the dehumanization. It's not like she stands up against it or anything. Like, I feel like. I don't feel very good about how much, like, that there's not, and, and I know that literally if there's anyone that was standing up against it, it's like, that that the maybe the storyline couldn't exist, but holy shit, I don't know. Yeah, it a, was bad. If I'm a veteran and I'm watching this show, I bristle a little bit. Yeah. But I yeah. think you got cause for it. I, I agree. I thought that was um, not a, a way to 
show any respect or support for veterans. And that's definitely not an accurate portrayal. Mm-hmm. But they needed a big bad. They needed a they needed the enemy. And right. they had Piscatella come in. And I thought I was going to like him because he's, you sure. know, the big bear. Um, and he was by the book and trying to get structure and order. But boy, did he go off the rails and, and usurp power from Caputo mm-hmm. and just go completely against orders, which, you know, that is that right? Is that what you're supposed to do as a soldier? No. No. You're supposed to follow orders. Well, and- on the other hand, if you got a weak CEO who's not looking out for your safety and there he's on the yeah. other, he's worried more about the other people than his own. Mm-hmm. Um, I know. Which is hilarious I- that this is all, this is all. <laughs> This is all started because they let an assassin in with which so you know that's fucked up, right? But that's all that's kind of on an MCC, you know, because Caputo's arc last season is we need quality people, we need to vet these people, we need to train these people, and MCCs the whole time is like, yeah, fuck all that, you know, you got the manual and you got the binder, and yeah, um, I want to talk about now Pensatucky and how she has started to kind of realize that maybe she's smarter and wiser than people gave her credit for when she was on drugs all the time. And that she is, uh, I want to talk about her interactions with Nikki where she has like some insight into what she's going through and what she needs and like almost as her sponsor in a weird way. Mm -hmm. And then how she kind of has this like really plain dealing talking conversation with uh, big boo, like, you know, I'm tired of being seen and seeing myself through the victim, through the lens of a victim, and I'm ready to forgive and move on. And I think you do need to, too, because this is, you know, it, it's affecting our relationship and it's affecting you. And what and then Big Boo's conference with um, Coates. Like, I feel like we can talk about this all as a unit. What do you think? Oh, yes. Yes. I loved I loved all of that. You know, that was that was already in episode 12, I think, when all of that was happening mm. in terms of the, the connection with Big Boo and Pensatucky because they were so close before. Right. Mm-hmm. It was one of those odd couple pairings that really worked mm-hmm. uh, in terms of friendship and support. And and Pensatucky has gone through so much in these four seasons. You know, she she's been the uh, the righteous right wing Christian leader and then gets she gets new teeth which changes her life Um, and then she was a victim and and now she's just at a place where she's trying to find some peace Mm -hmm. right getting over all of her addiction and and getting over and trying to understand who she is and live her life and she just wants peace and wherever she finds it I can't blame her you know read the bible wherever you get your inspiration as long as it's to a positive end she did so much to help Nikki through that um, withdrawal process. Mm-hmm. That was heavy. and Giving her her hand-woven puke basket? Right? She put all that work <laughs> into dying. She dyed the, each of the fabrics uh-huh. with stuff from the kitchen and who knows where some of the other colors came from. Right. Um, but she just um, was so caring and patient and that was really awesome. And that's something that, you know, as they've, They've done, I, I, man, I almost want to say that Pensatucky has been the most, has the, had the most consistent character development. Like, it doesn't feel like she's tacked back and forth from one thing to the other, but she's actually been on a consistent trajectory where these formative things in her life have kind of made her to the character she is now. And I don't, I mean, she's kind of become one of my favorites at this point. Yeah. Which, we really hated her in the beginning, but I really like yeah. her character now. 
Yeah, yeah, she certainly seems like, I mean, she's grounded, and she seems very uh, emotionally intelligent, and she's, you know, she's actually reading, like she said, all this shit that Big Boo's put in her head about bettering <laughs> herself and whatnot, and Big Boo's been such a a positive influence on her, Um and I don't know. Like I, I, it's like this show. I'm not sure whether she's, you know, she's going to make peace with Coates, and then he's going to do something crazy again. Although it seems like he's going through a lot of personal development as well. Yeah, I, I, I hope Coates stays a good guy because he's even in this last episode twelve, he was the one who was trying to get um, Bailey off of Poussey and that you know the closing scenes, and he was the one who was saying we can't do this. Like what's happening and Right. I hope he keep. I hope he's still a good guy. Well, and you know, it's, it's also. I think it's interesting how they're showing um, the how these men relate. Like, because Coates, even though he's going through all this stuff, cannot talk to anyone about it. Mm. You know. Yes. 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 You're like, right. If you're yeah. struggling with drugs, mm-hmm. you're struggling with alcohol, you're struggling with your job performance. You can talk to other men about that. And but if you're like, hey, I hit my wife, and I don't know what to do. But no one says that. Or I think I raped my girlfriend mm-hmm. or I raped this woman I was interested in. And I don't know, like that's <laughs> it, it's, it's there, you know, there's, there's no way to really talk about that. And, and in fact, you know, like, I feel like maybe, I don't know, like what, what, what is, what is, what does um, Bailey do if he comes up and says, Hey, you think this place can change a person? Oh, hell yeah. I, I accidentally raped one of the inmates um, where yeah. I wasn't even thinking. And I just like, I mean, I'm trying not to, like, I, I realize that these off-the-cuff things I'm saying are probably not perfect, um, but I'm just trying to articulate like how what that conversation would would be like. And no, yeah, yeah, they're they're the only two that have a connection. They're sort of the the last standing old mm-hmm. guard, right? Yeah, you're and right. They're well, the, the ones the old, that are the old new ones. Yeah, <laughs> the old new ones, right? And Bailey is so still young and green and innocent in so many ways. It, mm-hmm. You know, did he go from? Getting out of high school to becoming a correctional officer was that I his? Think that's where something, right? Yeah. Then he talked about how because he was young and innocent, you know. Well, we can the... go ahead and start talking about Bailey just in general because I'm ready to pivot in that direction if you want. Sure, sure, sure. Um, I was just saying that he he was the one that Piper was trying to take advantage of, right? And right, and uh, because he was so innocent and green and trying to do a good job, but. Um, Coates, like we, he was great. He was a bad guy. Is he a good guy? I don't know what's going on with them, but they're the ones that have a relationship and they are trying to talk to each other because Bailey is struggling. Mm-hmm. But there's that as, wall between mm-hmm. that they can't like you, you know Bailey's saying like I almost got a hand job from a prisoner. That's fucked up. And like, have you ever had anything like that? And Coates like, nope, can't say that I yeah. have. Wow. Right? I think that's I, literal. He can't say that he has. You no, know, he can't because that's completely against. Um, you know, he would lose his job oh, and, sure. and he and he cares about Pensatucky. I think we we've grown to see that he truly does care about her. Sure. Which is, you know, it's uh, there's a whole nother um, problem there because it is. I get officer it. Been, but, right. Right. But like, you know, shit, that's not like the first time it's happened on this show. And nope. um, the fact that she's you know, ready to move on and forgive him and maybe even resume some kind of relationship with him. That's where I'm like, God, I hope that Coates like, look, um, that's all night. Uh, You know, it'd be, I I don't know what to expect from that storyline, but you know, you can't like, 
you can't have a relationship between a prisoner and a guard at this point. No. no. Like, I can't feel good about that, even if you set aside the sexual assault. No, but I think they're what the show was trying to do is is humanize him a sure. little bit with that, right? So that we don't think of him as just a bad guy, right? And yet you've got yeah. you've got Big Boo who articulates probably a lot of the mm-hmm. viewing audience is saying like, you know what? I don't give a shit what she says. I don't give a shit about right. what you say. I think you did it and you knew what you're doing and you're a fucking rapist and you always will be. And yep. if you, you know, like that is a speaking for a lot a lot of people there. Definitely, definitely. And she and, might not even be wrong. Right. And I know we're bouncing between the, the Coates Bailey and yeah. the Pensatucky Boo sure. storyline, but it's so interwoven. Yeah. I mean, I think what Pensatucky is trying to say, I, I, actually, this was a really good line. I wrote it down because I thought um, I thought they did a good job with this is that, you know, pain is always there because life is freaking painful. Yeah. But suffering is a choice. Mm-hmm. And, you know, these women who are imprisoned they have to make a choice on how they're dealing with it. And that's what Pensatucky, I think, is doing. I, I think she's going to be in there for a very long time for all of her crimes. Mm-hmm. And so she's trying to make it bearable being inside Lynchfield. Right. And that means she needs peace, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so that's what she's yearning for. And now is Coates struggling with the same thing? Is he trying to find peace with what happened? And is he struggling with the fact that he didn't realize that he was so violent to this woman? Well, and I wondered if they were trying to get with something with it. Because um, if I recall correctly, there is a, a couple of plots about sexual abuse and molestation um, with some of the boys in that in that story. And I wonder if they were trying to like also show, because he was, you know, read, I mean, obviously the face level reading is he's in a creepy situation some raccoon or possum or other nocturnal creature kept on rustling the the, the corn stalks where the body was, and he's just creeped out because he's reading a Stephen King story. <laughs> but also, like if you know, if he was reading the stand, I'd be like, huh, I wonder if he's at the part where the yeah. Satan figure rapes the one girl. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. like, you know, it's like I wonder if he's like reading this from like, oh shit, from completely with the completely new eyes. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, no, that's good. Uh, so Bailey is a fuck up and oh he is, here's another thing. Um, I'm going to stand up for the millennials because I think <laughs> it is the height of hypocrisy and hubris for fucking baby boomers to cast shade on any yes. generation of people. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Are you yes. fucking kidding me? Yes. Like the hippie culture, the protest culture, the drug culture who is locked up more people for, Minor drug charges than anybody wants to set and, and and say anything about another generation of people. It's beyond the goddamn pale. Oh, like, like yeah. not all millennials. Number one, and and you know, young, you know, like people can be young and stupid and shallow and and lacking experience and nuance because that's how everyone starts off with. And I get, oh my god, oh my god, I'm not even a millennial. And it, it raises my hackles to hear people dismiss an entire generation of people like they're not struggling and working hard and yeah. doing doing great things. Ugh. Yeah, especially you know, especially baby boomers. You know, this is a big trigger for me too. I, I um because I look so young in corporate America. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I started studying was generational diversity, mm-hmm. and so I I sent my entire company through education around generational differences and how that plays out in the workplace and how that impacts interpersonal relationships as well as um, opportunities for marketing and product development Mm -hmm. because it does. And this, the whole, I knew that was going to trigger you when they said, um, 
millennials are the worst and he got fired from king cone yeah which he, i mean you're right he should have been fired he that he was being a complete asshole and like i liked how they added the background detail of tom has been trying to keep this little community run ice cream store and bless his heart it's still running strong in the days of daily healy trying to commit suicide but like he's and and you are giving away thirty like maybe a whole profit margin for a day's worth of shit because you're horny and you know don't even have the grace to apologize for it. He you know that's not a millennial thing. That's no, it's a privileged white kid thing. Yeah, it's right, it's, which it's, is what Bailey is. It's, it's terrible. Well, I mean, it's it's bad parenting. It's bad. You know, it's failures at school. It's fa- it's lots of things. But not everyone is like that. No, not yeah. everyone. And, you know, again, any kind of stereotype is a bad thing, whether you're sure. saying all millennials are the worst or whether you're saying Asians are their model minority. Stereotypes right. are bad. Right. Yeah. That's that's a lesson I think we should pull out of this. Mm-hmm. But the, the thing yeah, about good point. Yeah. The thing about Bailey is he he was trying so hard to get acceptance from these the circle of friends. His friends are hanging out all day at his job mm-hmm. doing nothing mm-hmm. just to check out girls. I mean, yeah. And then he gets fired and what happens? They go out and they start a ruckus and they egg houses and mm-hmm. they they wind up going by Litchfield. And one of the people that Bailey hits with an egg Frida. happens to be Frida, right? Octopus mm-hmm. tattoo lady. And Which so is it's, super dangerous. We she, she killed a cop with his own gun. And they had referenced, <laughs> that's right. They had referenced her when they were on the water tower. And uh-huh. someone of them cut her husband's dick off with a knife. And right. that was Frida. Yep. So that's that little tie, the thread through um, Bailey's storyline from when he was uh, graduating from high school to today. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and like just the, they they establish him as someone who makes poor decisions because he gets caught up in things like the water tower and the cops coming in and be like, oh, you know, the heroin and process, and he's just shitting bricks. <laughs> and then they're like, oh, we're just fucking with you, and he's like so relieved. But then you know, a few weeks later, hey, you ready to pregame at the water tower? Like. What the fuck, man? And he's like, shit, yeah. shit, yeah. Like the failure to learn a lesson here um, is probably not going to bode well for his character uh, no. to come. Because it seems like that's, you know, this, the the flashbacks are not designed to show character growth. They're designed to show almost the inevitability of like, you know, the, the choices you make make you the person you are. And right. kind of reinforce those things. Like, I don't think this is going to be like Bailey's first time where he grows a spine. I think it's just going to be further illustration of of why he's doing the things he's doing. Right. I agree with that. But the other thing that the flashback was showing me is if this was a group of black kids, they would have been arrested. Oh, yeah. Prob- sure. You know? And so th- I think the show was trying to very subtly talk about privilege mm-hmm. and Bailey not understanding consequences of behavior because mm-hmm. he was getting away with stuff. Yep. Whether it was being up on the wire t- water tower and smoking pot and drinking, mm-hmm. we're probably all underage. I'm assuming that the age yeah, of yeah, they, uh, they were yeah, they're all in high school, eighteen, so. right? And also and then, even like you know what underage drinking and marijuana, and however you feel about that, doing it up like the cops said on a fucking water tower, right, right? So stupid, right, right? But they got off with a hand slap, nothing really. They, sure. You know, I don't even think their parents were their parents even brought down. No, they. I think they just like let it, them yeah. out. Mm-hmm. But if they were black kids or Hispanic kids, I don't think that's what, how it would have played out. Right. Not in upstate New York. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe in New York City, like we got better things to do. Um, yeah. Which, by the yeah. way, have you seen The Night Of? 
No, not yet. Oh, damn it. I'm desperate to talk about someone because I just saw it last night and like it, it kind of blew me away. Oh, yeah. I thought we were going to like, you know, at the end we could turn it into a stealth uh, damn it. night of podcast. <laughs> you got to let me know these things, you know. I, I'm, like, not, it, 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 I'm, I'm not psychically connected to you. Next time like, at midnight, I'm going to call you <laughs> and be like, hey, you got to watch this before you get up at six o'clock in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> to, to record it and go yeah. to work for a full day. Yeah. Well, who am I? Piscatella? <laughs> um, uh, so... The other thing that's going on in this episode is they are really setting up Husay and Soso so they can twist the knife mm, um, mm, because mm. they're showing, you know, like our, you know, the fact that uh, – and that's the thing. I thought in no universe does Husay say these things to Soso about why I don't care. You know, the things you care about are dumb and stupid and blah. Mm. Like I've just – I've got a job offer and I've suddenly – not care about anything that's like I didn't feel like that was in her character at all mm. but what do you do you agree or disagree I I feel like um well I feel like Pusey was really trying to think about a future mm-hmm. and so she she's like look we got to deal with what we have to deal with here inside the prison and let's just hold our breath until we get yeah, out. And don't fuck it up for us on the outside. I just yeah. thought that, yes, that seems like, because that's kind of something that Alex and Piper are going through. And they're having mm-hmm. their little renaissance, which, you know, we can, we can, yeah. I need. We uh, can ignore. I need Pinsatucky's puke bucket. <laughs> but, um, I, yeah, I, I I just feel like that um, the things ex- that they just needed her to say, especially thoughtless and insensitive ways to articulate herself. Which I don't associate with Pusey, and especially like maybe Pusey had gotten back onto the moonshine or the prison toilet wine that no. she was making, like you know mm-hmm. that she's back to her alcoholic plot. That I would have believed that, but in her right mind, I don't think she's that insensitive in dealing with so so. But they wanted that so that they could have this, you know, I am Spartacus moment, and then yeah. kind of mouthing for, and also so it would be extra meaningful when Pusey. Yeah. Well, I, I think, think dies. I don't like. I I feel yeah. like that that she's 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 dead. And well, wow. I think so. So also reacted, overreacted to it. Probably yeah, I, we'll get to the Pusey thing, but I I just think you're right that maybe normally Pusey wouldn't be so callous, but I also think Soso's a little oversensitive. Well, for sure, and I'll, and so I'll, it creates the rift, yeah. and and so then there's a little bit of tension and. And then it leads to the rest of what happens in yeah. this episode. Yeah. And that's, you know, that happens. Even the people that are like, I consider myself a pretty well-reasoned and compassionate and, and communicative guy. But like, sometimes when I'm fighting, it's not, I'm not, it's not my proudest moments no, because no, you're no. angry and you're stressed mm-hmm. out and you're scared because this is a relational issue that you're having, you know, and like, uh, it's, it's you're not always at your best, but um, mm-hmm. I thought it was a little bit little bit um trying to to force the narrative just like the kind of this situation with the guards in general because yeah. you know like i was shocked when caputo came in and laid down the law and piscatella just essentially is an insurrection and i couldn't believe like caputo if you have a shred i mean i would i would i would have just fired piscatella then and there and be like if you fuckers want to walk out fine but you're all out of jobs. I'm going to have you brought up on federal charge. I mean, I would have blustered and threatened and controlled, but like I, how with the severity of the offense, when we're talking about fighting prisoners for gladiatorial purposes, so you can make money and get your rocks off. Like, I don't see how you can just like brush that 
off and let it slide. Like even with the threat of a walkout. Yeah. Well, Caputo, I think, was so scared of losing all of his guards. Right. He's trying to get gain control over the situation. They had discovered a dead body. Are these Corporate guards better ass. than having no guards? Like, well, I, I don't know. To Caputo, they probably are. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying it's right, but I'm yeah. just saying he's one man. And then who does he have to back up? Bailey and Coates. Yeah, that's true. Right. And it's... So there's nobody left. And so I'm just trying to think from a corporate side. Caputo's trying to protect his ass and his job. He's getting pressure from corporate to make sure that they don't look bad. So he, how do you reconcile that as a brand new leader of an organization? Well, you fire them all. You call up Donaldson. You call up O'Neill. <laughs> you say, I'm sorry. Get your crossing guard and waiter asses back in here. That's probably what's going yeah. to happen. They're going Would to clean you go house. Back? Uh, no, no, I Especially wouldn't. Especially after what happens at the end of this episode. Would you go back? No, no, I wouldn't. But I'm, you know, I mean, that's the thing, like. Uh, which version of me, the version of me that has a super cushy podcasting job, uh, the, the per- first person of me that like, I've, I mean, that's, that's just part of my privilege, right? Like I've never felt unemployable or da- even that really down on my luck. Cause I've always mm-hmm. had an in-demand mm-hmm. skill set and that's, that's demanded a, a way above average salary and I'm speak well, present myself well in interviews. And I got a great, you know, I've always had a fairly good work history that just kept getting better. So like, I can't. If I'm Donaldson and like the choices go back to this place and maybe get insurance and get us, you know, I can I can quit one of my jobs. Like that's a different question. Yeah, but Donaldson hates Caputo. He didn't even want to take a tip from Caputo. Sure, but I wonder at what point do you are you forced to swallow your pride just for the sake of you and your family? And that's the thing. Like, um, you know, I. I can only try to empathize with a person in that situation because, yeah, fuck no. I'd be like, fuck you. Yo, oh, are you having trouble at the prison? Ho, ho, ho. Okay, well, I'll read about in the papers tomorrow, Joe. Mm -hmm. Um, Beer can. Uh, (laughs) So I don't don't know. But I I just felt like that maybe, you know, you're right, though, because I was just thinking like, oh, this is a return of status quo. And I'll, you know, get these characters that we all like and back. But like, you're right. Why the fuck would they come back? No, I, and there's there's a hundred more inmates and more on the oh way. My God, that was the thing. More on the way. This episode Terrifying. was just a uh, just just brutal body blow after body blow because even yeah. Joe, like he's been like, he's he's he keeps rolling this boulder up the hill thinking it's going to stay at the top, and every single time it comes chasing him back down. And now it's mm-hmm. like uh, you know the slave labor project to build this dorm. It's not to ease overcrowding. It's so they can jam you back to the rafters Ugh, and have even more. Goodness. And probably and probably the same amount of guards and what the fuck, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, this was just a brutal, depressing. You know, they had some like the, the again the Pusey and Soso dancing in the time machine, and the fact that Pusey had this fantastic job offer, which I felt was genuine. Like I thought Judy sure. King honestly was impressed with Pusey because Pusey is an impressive character, and she had this like awesome, exciting career that you know uh, she's got this rich patron person that can make it just change in life and it's all taken away like what the fuck it's so goddamn sad and depressing like my, Cecily was like I, I she rarely gets this way but she was like sobbing on the couch Aww. at the end of this and uh yeah and then yeah. The, the, also the like everyone you had this like kind of the north remembers thing with <laughs> with all the girl the, the women banding together to take down Piscatella and then it like 
the leaders, it all breaks down over petty racial issues. And then like, but it seems like maybe this won't be a top down. This will be a grassroots because all the women are like, yeah, this is bullshit and on board. And it all kind of mm-hmm. comes together and then it's squashed. And then Bailey of all fucking people is the one that ends up killing Pousset. Oh, no, just horrible. Uh... Yeah. You know, that the hate that was growing for Piscatella and, and, you know, um, What's that guy's name? Humps. Humps, yeah. United the factions within, right? Even they even had Hop. What was her name? Hapakuka. Yeah. The Hawaiian character representing mm-hmm. the other. Mm-hmm. You know, they were all sitting around right. at their little council table, yeah. having a conversation about how they do need to band together, and uh-huh. so how are we going to make this work? Um, even when you know Red has sort of exacerbated, and she walked away, and she's like, "We can't come to an agreement." Ah. Uh, it was so mm-hmm. frustrating because there is no trust between the groups. But in the end, when you have a big enemy and a common enemy, you realize you gotta you gotta fight the power in this the stand and and uh, make sure you band together and do something to get rid of Piscatella. Right. Maria's point was you go to the head, right? The head of the snake. You yeah. don't just get the problem. Right. Right. Because the problem is that it's the rotten process. And that's mm-hmm. the other thing is like, you know, Pousset did have a point. It's like, well, if you get rid of, Pins- you know, uh, Piscatella, who's to say that they're not going to have a less qualified, bigger shit bag to replace them, which is mm-hmm. a genuine. I mean, I've, I have worked at a few places where you have such a, a breakdown in faith and management that like, oh, man, this guy's an asshole. But if he gets fired, like, at least he's the devil I know. Right. And mm-hmm. like Piscatella's become the devil they know. Right. And again, it, it speaks to Pousset just saying, hold your breath and let's get through and serve our time so we can get out and start over. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, would it be appropriate? I mean, I feel like we should spend longer on Pousset and all, but it's really like, you know, it is what it is. It's a huge emotional thing. There's not a lot to talk about. You know, she had this bright future that's been taken away from her, I presume. Now, when he was getting on top of her, I mean, obviously, this is a very analogous also to the real world situation where um, a poor guy got got choked to death because he was selling loose cigarettes on the streets in New York. Yes. Um, and, I, you know, the whole issue of her saying, I, you know, this hurts. I can't breathe. I thought and I because I, you know, hope springs eternal. I thought that make that there was going to she's going to get paralyzed like that. He was going to do something to her spine. I did not see her death coming until she stopped moving. Like I did, you know, what kind of walk me through your process on that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I've, I watched it a few times. It was so hard. It was mm-hmm. so hard to watch that a second time. Uh, but, you know, Pusse is trying to intervene because we talked about this already. They want to protect their friend and not let their friend go to psych. Mm-hmm. Right. That was really what triggered Pousset getting down and, and running off and, and moving in. Um, this was sort of the the culmination of everything. The guards were pulling prisoners mm-hmm. down. People had, you know, there was headlocks and everyone was yelling and screaming. And Suzanne was getting more and more and more wound up. Right. And Bailey's not strong enough to control her. And the other right. guards are not strong enough. But Bailey had to do something. And so he picks Pousset, right? When you're in a fight with multiple people, the first thing you do is you grab the smallest one and get him out of the way. <laughs> sure, sure. I mean, that's just, that's what we, we teach our kids in the dojo. Uh-huh. If you're getting attacked by multiple people, you take the smallest one out first. You and don't take you, the big. Biggest one and beat him up, and then you know this. 
Yeah. Well, Aaron, if that's what you do, we've got a class for you. <laughs> Tell your eight eight year old take your eight eight year olds like you find the biggest motherfucker. You kick him in the balls. Uh, yeah. yeah no. You can't reach them because they're so big. <laughs> Work it like a but speed yeah. bag. Right. So Pusey weighs what, you know, eighty nine pounds Soaking or something. Soaking wet. Tiny, sure. tiny. And so um Bailey grabs her, puts her tries to diffuse that part of the situation and then gets caught up and doesn't realize what he's doing. Mm-hmm. You know, he can't hear her because there's so much ruckus going around. And he's being and, attacked by Suzanne, who is attacked. a powerful, right, uh, very formidable individual. We just saw her really hurt somebody just, you know, not too long ago. And so Bailey's scared and his... Oh, she really hurt Pousset. That's what the other kind of added yeah. little layer oh, right. of this sun- oh, that's right. fucked up Sunday. That that's she's... Right. Um, you know, because that's the thing with Suzanne. I'm really worried about her because she's she already felt like immense guilt over what happened with her and Pousset and that awkwardness. And then she's also like, I've done a bad thing with this mm-hmm. Marine. And now, like, she's going to put two and two together that if I hadn't have done, if I hadn't have reacted this way, Pousset is probably, I don't, I'm really scared for Suzanne. I'm wondering if we're going to see her outside of Psych. That's what I'm saying. Like, she might be in Psych or they're, you know... So then we may not see her work through and then unless that's what they want to do with the next episode is is keep that thread going because um, Uzo is such an incredible actress. Right. And that's Uh, the thing, like, even if they come in and clean house, that doesn't mean that, like, everyone's going to get a free. But like Suzanne, well, you know, if if we had competent guards who had their heads at their asses, she wouldn't have done this. So let's spare. Let's give her another shot. Like, that's not how these institutions work. No, not. No, no. Mm -hmm. Yes. That these people are chucked at the door, but also no complete. No, no, no admission that that had to do with anything you know, with this individual's reactions. And I, like right. I said, I'm scared. I'm scared. Right. For her. And back to the social commentary on taking care of folks who have mental disabilities uh-huh. is, is the show saying, you know, the prison system is not equipped to do that and nor is their psych ward. So mm. what do we do with them? Yeah. You know, is, can we rehabilitate her? Does she need medication? There's all kinds of questions for Suzanne in terms of recovery because she, oh, I don't know what's going to happen with her. She's so far gone. I mean, yeah. after the fight, she was just catatonic. Right. And her, her first right? reaction to, to coming out of that is to go in this blind rage and attack mm-hmm. people. It's um... and Pousset was there to back her up. Right. Pousset yep. is trying to protect her. The hundred percent. There's mm-hmm. nothing Suzanne could have done that Pousset would not have supported. Mm-hmm. And then look what happens. Poor Bailey of all the guards. Yeah you know, winds up having a hold on her. And I saw when his knee was on her back, I'm like, he needs to get up or she is going to be hurt. Yeah. And then what happened, her voice got softer and softer. And and we did hearken back to what happened in real life with somebody getting choked out and Mm. dying. Yep. Um, Someone who happens to be African-American with a white cop. I mean, there's all kinds of parallels to Mm -hmm. what happened in terms of social statements. That was just completely ripped out of the headlines. And that, Mm -hmm. Again, as I was watching this, part of it had been back in my mind. I was like, do I really buy that this is what would happen? But, you know, they've they've gone so towards the Oz levels that, you know, like, again, I've got quibbles about how they set this up. But the emotional payload cannot be denied. I, yeah. It was it was pretty devastating. Yeah, it was. Uh, I, I definitely was crying. And, and I went on to the forums just to see sort of what was happening with folks there. And they, everyone was dealing with it. Uh, mm-hmm. And we, I think Pusey is one of those characters that 
we there was never a time that we didn't like her. We either loved her, or we felt sorry for yeah, her. Yeah, sure. It's easily top five of yeah. my yeah. like if uh, my yeah. top five is probably Pousset, mm. Tasty, uh, uh, Boo. Um, I'm trying to think of uh, uh, Nikki. She... Like uh, the 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 they're kind of yeah. all in 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 some kind of order. Yeah, the season one, right? We're we're talking about folks we've seen. Through Sophia, all these though she's been so like barely there, or like kind of almost as a MacGuffin for this. This, but like I, you know, I, and the fact that also tasty. Oh yeah. my God, her reaction really like oh. sold it. Yeah, um, these are these are Juilliard trained actresses, you sure. know, both who say and tasty. They are that talented, and so mm-hmm. to turn on a dime from being angry to being it just distraught. Oh mm-hmm. my gosh, she killed it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I was I did a little research in terms of the writer. The writer for this episode was Lauren Morelli. Do you know who the fucking director was? I do, Matthew. Matthew Weiner. Weiner. Oh know, my right? god! Crazy when I found that amazing, out, yeah, it's talented. But Morelli is the woman who fell in love with Samara sure. Wiley, so she's like writing this episode mm-hmm. to bring you know this woman that I think they're still together from what IMDb photos look like mm-hmm. um, to give this performance that just, I mean, this is this is Emmy award winning episode mm-hmm. in terms of a drama also um, she needs to have a murder charge uh put against her because she just killed, killed off her character <laughs> um this, it's domestic abuse by proxy man uh <laughs> they yeah. must have gotten in some fight over sure. you know, borrowing her shoes sure. or something well i'm gonna have you home. killed in the episode God, you're never working again <laughs> on this show <laughs> oh man um so i think i feel like we've 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 done this scene justice now um we we should talk about Alex and Piper and we their should. quote that they're doomed to be together and they're ready for things to be easy. But of course it's not. And I'm like shouting at the screen. You do know that there's a healthy middle ground between being old people, quote unquote, and fucking drama queens. Like there, <laughs> you, you can live an I'm interesting a... life without catering to all this goddamn drama. No, I'm aspiring to be an old drama queen. I don't know about you. Not me. No, <sighs> fuck all that. I've got no time. I, I that, that drama cuts in your fun time. It's just non-productive. Um, Unless you're Piper, and drama is your fun time. Yeah, that's her. That's her gross national product, and and <laughs> the the economy is booming. Um, I think I, I don't think I have any notes on Piper and and Voss. So talk to me. Tell me what you think about Piper and Voss. I just I don't like really. They're going to go back to just this run back to season one. They're lesbians in love, locked up, and. You know, that's it. They're fucking in the time machine. There's Angie and uh, uh, Leanne oh, yeah. talking about a dollar titty, two dollars per vaginas. Um, that was kind of funny, actually. They're that was kind of funny. Basically eating popcorn while um, sure, Piper sure. and Voss are trying to get it on in, in the time machine. There's no privacy in there. And um, so I, I don't know what they're doing with these. I'm not excited because I feel like both of them are more interesting on their own. But we put them together; they're just super in, insufferable, and so I'm not. I'm, I'm maybe maybe there's a glimmer of hope, and there'll be another assassin come. <laughs> <laughs> right? Because, because what again, else would you like there's just no way that <laughs> that never gets followed up on, and that's a permanent solution. Um, anyway, um, 
I don't know. Maybe that will. Maybe the FBI will figure all this out and and come uh, come down on uh, Alex's boss. I I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, I I don't know if we can f- figure out a way that Alex Alex will be um, like her name would even come up in the case against the dead mm-hmm. assassin. But mm-hmm. maybe the assassin will be connected somehow. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, he had fake social security numbers. Who knows how they're going to discover who he really is? Like, dental? Like, is his head someplace where they could look at dental records? You would think, sure. I don't know. I don't know what they did with his head, actually. They buried it. I mean. But there? Was it under tomatoes also? I would think that they, if the FBI gets in there, they'll, they'll at the minimum find all of his parts. Unless they dumped yeah. his head in the, the slurry pond. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um,. Can we talk about Morello and how she is completely spun off the rails with Vinny now? I know. Poor like, Morello. She, uh, you know, she sent her sister on this mission. Her sister did it, and she went flying off the handle on her. Then Vinny says that she he likes caramels, and that means he's fucking her sister. And she's also, like, you can tell that she's becoming mentally unhealthy because she's doing the whole thing with Christopher, where... Mm-hmm. The reality of Christopher is this, the but the fantasy Christopher was the other. So she's talking when she goes to the girls and saying, "Oh yeah, me and Vinny, we're gonna have a try to have a child," and things are going like the the cognitive dissonance is widening between what's actually going on with her and him, and 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 what's going on in her head. And it's I feel like she's just going down the same goddamn. You know, she's going to steal a van and go beat him up or something. I don't I don't know. Yeah. Or or she's going to lose it and wind up in psych, too. I just feel like she's I, she's so nuts. She really is. Like, she's I was cray. I that's the thing. Like, you know, uh, as I've the second time I've said in the podcast, but like that's an easy way to marginalize women's concerns is like you're just acting crazy. But in this case, it's fucking full on, yeah. you know, one way trip. The crazy she's, town. She's delusional. She's not like, you know, teenage dating where you get jealous over somebody looking in the direction of another person. This is serious delusions where yes. she creates a situation. Like She's like, okay, I want you to – she really wanted her sister to keep an eye on Vinny. Right. Right. It she, wasn't that right. you, you don't really want them to be family. She's like, I'm not on the outside. I want to know what Vinny's doing. And Vinny, to his credit, was seemed like he was being honest and just said, hey, you know, I'm hanging out with my boys and I'm sorry I didn't come by. But and I'm taking mm. care of my family and I still love you. And let's talk sweet. Mwah, mwah, mwah. Mm-hmm. And Morello was already gone, too far gone, because yeah. those caramels must mean he's fucking her sister. Yep. I mean, it's just and then she tries to turn it on. I mean, this is classic abuser. Um she essentially says everything that like she she attacks the territory that she knows that he will go to, which is you're being irrational, crazy and saying you can't call me crazy. You're manipulating the conversation and you're not not only are you a philander, but now you're trying to make me feel guilty about calling you on it. Yeah. And it's like, oh, God, that that is a bad, bad trip. Scary, scary, scary. Like yeah. we we know that that's how she is, but we don't know why that's how she is. No, I mean it could right? just be brain chemistry. It could definitely. You know, that, that... And then again, we get back to you know mental disabilities, and now we're not like, taking right. care of our because she's not. Yeah. Probably consistently presenting that way, sure. so they're not going to take the time to investigate whether everybody has some sort of disability. But no. Marilla, she's just going off the rails. She's not. Um, it's not good. It's no. not good. 
Yep, she's already started the fantasy lying, and that seems like a bad deal. Um, do you... Uh, so let's talk about the other reunion, which is Fig, Figs, and uh, Caputo. Uh, beer he is, can or he, wine glass. Yeah, beer can or wine glass. The, uh, and I feel like that they've done a beautiful job at setting this up where the Figaro was someone that you just loathed. And then you mm-hmm. found kind of like how what her rock and a hard place was. And you got a little bit mm-hmm. more sympathy. And now you see how we were all rooting for Joe and how he got beat down. And it was like she prophesied this. Yeah. Um, and now, are they going to be able to put their evil genius minds together and come up with a solution for this problem? Or is this just going to be more, um, you know, beer can jokes? I think if this were a typical show where there's always a, a positive resolution at the end, yes. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's what Orange is the New Black is. No. I think this is too far in the drama zone and... Um, Genji doesn't want us to leave happy. Genji wants us to leave wanting more. <laughs> she wants us suffering. That's right. She wants uh, us uh, eating ice cream and wa- wandering off into the lake. Mm-hmm. I j- <laughs> First, you got to check out the ass. <laughs> yep. And make want, sure you have your yeah. water repellent clothing on. That's That's, that's, right. that's key. That's key. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. I, d- I don't know what's going to happen with them. I'm I'm glad that she's back because I like the interactions with the two of them much more mm-hmm. than I like the Linda and Caputa interactions. Mm-hmm. Um, because Linda's just she's ugh, just she's she's, psycho gun toting. OK, we didn't even talk about the fact that she pulled a gun out on. Well, that was me and Cecily. You're, you're, oh, you're, yeah. you're, you're on our territory. But yeah, feel free. Yeah, that was ugh. that was insane. That was fully insane. Oh my gosh! Yeah, and then Caputo, fucked up dude that he is, gets turned on by it. You're <laughs> gross. Yeah, I don't. Just there's there's no one that's stable. Mm-mm. No, that's the thing. There's not a single healthy person in this whole damn show. Right, but then you know, is there anyone who's really healthy in the real world? Yeah, we and then all you, have then, shit. then then you you talk about a prison population. That's a pretty <laughs> you are <laughs> you are selecting for not normalcy there. You're selecting for fucked up backgrounds and psychologies yeah. and brain yeah. chemistries and yeah. insecurities. And, right, and no healthy um, no healthy counselor to help them through any of this, right? Yeah, any of the trauma they're experiencing. Their counselor is fucking Healy. Let their that ca- sink in. Counselor 5150 to himself. He right? ran off the one <laughs> decent counselor they had last year. I know, right? What, did, was, I forget exactly. Did he actually run her off? He got her fired because of Was it the, a budget thing, maybe? I don't know. Or was it was it blowback from Suzanne's oh, porn yeah. escapade? That that didn't seem like that would be enough. I, I'm sure there's an answer and maybe someone can give it to them feedback. Yeah. Uh, do you have anything else you want to talk about? Because speaking of feedback, we have a bit. Oh, we have feedback. Let's talk about feedback. There, are, we've got some really smart listeners. So yeah, so you can you can send us feedback at orange at baldmove dot com or on the forums. We've got it all. Helpfully, uh, uh, got this uh, season all split up into its quadrants that you can discuss on the forums at forums dot com. First up, Nathan says, everyone at this prison needs help. This season has <laughs> gone so dark, it doesn't even feel like a comedy anymore. Something we were talking about. Yes, yeah. there is not a single, not a really kind of a positive person that you can just wholly put your trust in. Maybe Sister Ingalls. Maybe Glor- we didn't talk about Gloria's badass scene where she threw out the money changers out of the temple and helped Sophia with her wig. Is it a wig or a weave? 
wig, That was right? a wig. Okay. Yeah. No, a weave is something that you sort of put on as extensions. Gotcha. And you literally weave it into your hair. Gotcha. She, that was just a fabulous wig that Sophia held on to. Mm-hmm. And thank goodness, because she needed something to, to brighten up her day. But like Gloria, just with her sheer moral force... Yeah. made that happen that's um, that's why i like gloria she's got power she is she's strong she's very grounded in um you know i'm gonna take care of mine and mm. uh she took sophia under her wing and said I, i'm here for you even though sophia almost didn't want that help no and didn't she's, want the pity and she's like well good because i got none in me <laughs> yeah i love it i love that character i love her uh, but as far as the feelings to dark, it's, I mean, I think Orange and New Black still, like, I laughed out loud many times this season. But to be fair, I could say the same about Breaking Bad and Mad Men. Sure, sure. You know, like Pete Campbell slipping to. down the stairs. Hilarious. <laughs> like, every once in a while, uh, you know, it's, it's, what, how do you, I mean, is Orange and Black funnier than Mad Men? Is, was Mad Men more dramatic than Orange and New Black? Who the fuck, I, Stop comparing. Stop comparing. Well, the children. only reason it's it's useful comparison is for like essentially the only reason it's 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 nice to divide things into comedy and drama is for like awards time. That's right, really... absolutely, and that's a, a construct for awards specifically. But the, yeah. the beauty about these shows is it really is our perspective and how we watch it. Yeah. Right. So what you see is different from what I see, and that's why it's so great to have a dialogue about this show. Yeah. Uh, Nikki P says, I'm here sitting at the end of episode 12 with tears streaming down my face. I did not see that coming for any of the three characters involved and tasty at the end just ripped my heart out. Um, yeah, like I, it was already pretty, uh, pretty, pretty gloomy and weepy in the household. But when, you know, tasty grabs her and starts wailing over her, it's, uh, it's a pretty, pretty bad scene. Yeah. Hey Nikki, how you doing girl? (laughs) Um, yeah, I, I was uh I was watching on my laptop in the kitchen and um my daughter came in and she's like, What's wrong? What are you watching? And I said, Oh, I'm watching <laughs> Orange is a New Black and she looked at me, she's like, Isn't that supposed to be a funny show? And she doesn't watch it with me. I was gonna say, so and, she hasn't seen a, a single episode then, huh? No. I mean I no, I don't think so. Um mm-hmm. she I think she might have caught something maybe season one years ago and and she was much too young then to even deal with it and she's like okay I'm gonna go watch Vampire Diaries or something like that um but uh, yeah I was really impacted by it and uh like I said Pusey is one of my favorites and and Tasty is one of my favorites and the the performances just killed me Mm -hmm. so I stopped watching I'm like how am I gonna take notes on this and I think I even asked on the forums like how am I gonna find something funny to talk about because the thing about this podcast is it should be entertaining yeah and sometimes funny is good right but and we're and i'm not drinking because it's 6 a.m and i'm going to work so <laughs> i'm just i don't have the wit that i usually do uh, um, because what? there's not material to sort of glom onto wait is it wrong to drink in the morning is that what we're saying no, here okay. it's not but you know i have a corporate job and yeah, so yeah. i'm not gonna do it they're not not <laughs> uh not not as as enlightened as some um <laughs> <laughs> Dave McBee said, I'm a little annoyed at the writing on this show as regards to the guards for the season. Since mm. the new guards have been brought in, only one has tried to do something good, and he even has tried to solicit a hand job in return for cheeseburgers. He also looks like he killed Pousset because he shouldn't even have been there in the first place. I also have an issue that, in particular, the veteran guards are all horrible people, even yeah. though McCullough, who was shown to have some empathy in parts... Couldn't they have written at least one of the vet guards to be at least somewhat human or good at their job? 
Yeah, a lot of vets come back from the deployment messed up, which I've seen in real life, but they don't become morally reprehensible people. I can't believe that a member of staff at Litchfield that is the most likable is Joe Caputo, the guy that beats <laughs> off in his office to inmates, especially after they cry, is the most likable. It's just remarkable. I mean, we talked about a lot of this, that the it this feels artificial. This feels it, – it doesn't feel like it's grounded in reality, but – it's almost hyper real and allowing them to touch on things that they otherwise wouldn't be able to touch on in a minimum right. security prison. Right. Uh, and it's compelling as hell. So I guess I'm allowing it. I, I do really feel him on the veteran angle though. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not a veteran myself, but my father is, uh, both of Cecily's parents are, um, a lot of people in my, uh, family are, uh, veterans and act, you know, have, have served in, uh, Iraq and Afghanistan. And I, you know, again, I, I feel like that's part. Maybe that's part of this. This shows liberal sensit- sensibilities, as they just have a blind spot, and like no one in the writers' room ever even thought, like, "Oh shit, this is a really scathing portrayal of veterans. We need to have at least somebody that's not a, uh, a, a has someone with a moral core to them." You know? Yeah, that that's a, a valid point. Um, I I definitely agree that they did a disservice to veterans by not having someone who had the was sort of their moral compass mm-hmm. right um so i think that's a very valid point but they're also brand new characters in this season yeah and we probably won't see them next season so i that's think true. as a unit they were just serving a purpose right it's a television show it's uh it's, yeah it's but it's certainly i don't even say it would be stereotype because it's not like they're it's a common stereotype in, in no. the united states that veterans are fucking power mad psychopaths but right it's just a weird choice, and the thing I guess is, could this storyline work if it was any other way? Which, either way you answer that, is kind of like if it could have worked with someone that was trying to pump the brakes on the situation, then why didn't you? And if it couldn't have worked, then if you have to have an entire you know, class of people act in a certain way to make your story work, I that's kind of a problem too. Right. Well, that's kind of what they're doing with the racial divide is they're having classes of people act a certain way. Um, but even then, like even the white supremacists. Uh, <laughs> There's a good guy there. Well, and they're they're like kind of like, you know what? Um, on my like she said, on my scale of hate, you got yeah. <laughs> you people here, you know, capital U, capital Y, capital P. And you got <laughs> you got the Piscatella up here. But even then, they're like, you know, I think that's the thing. This shit about the fear of the other only works when they're strangers. Like, mm-hmm. e- 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 yep, even in that right. little bitty community circle that they'd formed where it all kind of broke apart because of racial tensions and anger, she even was like, you know, some of those ladies are classy and they got dignity and respect. Yep. And the others that haven't been, haven't had that relationship are like, what the fuck? Oh, you know, for a bunch of mud apes or whatever she called them. Um, I just... Yeah. yeah. Once you get to know somebody, you realize that we're all people is sort of this Pollyanna way of looking at that message. Right. But it's true. You know, like you you build relationships with individuals and, the you know, we pay we make 90 percent of our assumptions about people, about the 10 percent that we see on the surface. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. But in fact, who we are is it's not that way. It's flipped. Right. Yeah. So. I think the show was trying to make that statement. The thing about the veterans that was such a 
a plot piece is that Linda had this idea to bring in this group of veterans that was going to give the company either kickbacks or or some sort of benefit. Right. Right. And that's why that was part of and that's part of her job from a mm-hmm. procurement person, supplier diversity, bringing in veterans. That's that's valid. And it's almost like but, since that was a that 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 was a poisonous seed that this program grew from, like they all had to be poisonous mm-hmm. fruit. Maybe? Yeah, they they were all they all talked the as if they were a, a unit in Afghanistan. So they already had this longstanding relationship that they've been through. You know, they fought a war together. And mm-hmm. so they're all had each other's backs and mm-hmm. they weren't going to. Um, snitch on each other. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I mean, I agree that it wasn't fair, and I do think it was. It served its purpose in the show. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, if if you even had one person express, I mean, they express misgivings clearly. Mm-hmm. But if you had even one person that was on the that inside, maybe the story doesn't work again. That's maybe evidence that the writers could have uh, spent a little bit time tuning that up, but but I don't yeah. know. Or maybe something will come up in the last episode. You haven't watched it yet, That's right? That's true. That's true. I'm, so, I'm unsullied. Um, yes. And then Mr. X is the one who dropped the dime on the wiener directing this episode. Yeah. Matthew Weiner coming in and knocking it out of the park. Like, wow. Gosh, way no to come kidding. out of retirement, man. Yeah. It's a, a real, uh, real uh, gut wrencher. Mm-hmm. So that is the episode for um, that's episodes uh, ten through twelve. Now I think we're going to try to get you to join. We're going to do like a um, a three person podcast. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm on, down on episode thirteen with general wrap up thoughts on the Good. season as a whole, and maybe looking ahead to next year even. Yeah, I'm super excited to talk to Cecily because mm-hmm. she and I have, haven't even emailed about this. So mm. um, it'd be great to have the three of us chatting about it for old times' sake. And, I'll just and go just on to... mute and drink whiskey. Let you guys <laughs> let you guys run it. <laughs> well, depending on what time of day you do this, uh, maybe I'll join you in a little whiskey. I actually bought actually no, I bought a, a single malt um, from a charity um, silent auction. I didn't mm. buy it; I won it, and so maybe I'll open that up for this podcast. Why not? Yeah. Because that's a bald move podcast. Ain't no whiskey like charity whiskey. <laughs> Isn't that, yeah. That's what they say. Yeah. Um, that's what I say. You know, when I was supporting Pride <laughs> Month at my company. It was a uh-huh. fundraiser for a, an organization. Um, so why not charity it, whiskey? Was it whiskey or scotch? Oh, scotch. Scotch, scotch. whiskey. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. it's, you know, it's all whiskey, but. Yeah, but scotch. Uh, uh, all right. So thank you once again for joining us. Help us. Uh, sort through all of the uh, complicated things going on at the prison. Uh, we hope to have you back for the finale episode. We'll, we'll work that to schedule off air. And again, thank you very much, Pilani, for joining us. Thanks. Aloha, everyone. All right. See you, everybody.